welcome to episode 107 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64 last week. We looked at our first batch of games from issue 44 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were bamboozled by Bomboozle, perturbed by Power Pyramids, and scuppered by Scorpion. This week, we continue our look at the games in December 1988, along with what was also going on in the UK singles chart that month. So Graham, bring on the eggnog and tell us of the games to brighten our days this week. In this old-fashioned chocolate bar turned protein fueled power flapjack of an episode, we check the horror weather and see if it will be raining blood as we take our lovely pixel-shaded shootiest spaceship out for a blast in Slayer, stick a blue light on our heads, shout Nina, and hop, that's right, hop, through some empty streets chasing after hooligans, ne'er-do-wells and scallywags in the utterly stupid hopper-copper, and explore what Pac-Man would have looked like if heavily sponsored by a soft drink manufacturer in the Pepsi Challenge Madmix game. There are so many protein snacks these these days, I even saw high-protein bagels. Now, let me tell you, too much of that and your farts become a weapon of mass destruction. Be warned. After all that, we take out our withered, limpy limbs and prod our way around the universe looking for clones in the weird Captain Blood, explore the gang-filled niche world of the vigilante brain surgeon hairdresser in the outright crappy street gang, reverse the Austin Ambassador Wyreg out of the garage and tear across the scorched though handily roadworthy lands of Overlander before finally getting into yet another excellently shaded pixel robot and again going for a hop and a jump around some weird screens in Sidroid. Ugh, the games in December are not really impressing anyone. Lots of hopping and bouncing but not much fun and not a Christmas pudding in sight. It's a right load of jingle balls. Awesome, maybe, perhaps. Good old eggnog. Good old eggnog. I like, Do you like- I like nog, I don't like the egg. I was going to say, what is eggnog? I don't even know what it is. It's, it's ad- a... Advocar. I think Advocar is eggnog, isn't it? I, think it's I don't know. Why don't, call it, why don't they just call it Advocar then? Because that's a brand version of <laughs> eggnog, I think. I don't, the... I don't actually know. Hasn't eggnog been around for ages? Is it like something else? Like everyone goes, oh yeah, mulled wine. That's I lovely. Don't know. What no, is it's it? not I mulled wine. That's just warm wine, isn't it? I don't know, is it? I think, well, I don't know. The only reason I call um, Advocar eggnog is because it's yellow, like an egg yolk. That's, my, that's the only rationale I've got. <laughs> Other than that, I have no knowledge. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that's yellow that you just call eggnog? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody mixed egg with nog and they got eggnog. What that is, what it means, I've never tried it and I never will. No, I don't. I never, won't never forgiven them for the death of Kurt's boy. <laughs> <laughs> nog! <laughs> it sounds like Klingon if you say eggnog in a kind of gruff Klingon way. Eggnog! Eggnog! <laughs> Get this man some eggnog. Oh, you didn't mean that. Oh, that's very pointy. <laughs> I'm no man. I cling on. Eggnog. Eggnog. <laughs> Absolutely. Choi chu. Choi chu. Eggnog. <laughs> okay. Just get him something, for God's sake. God's sake. These Klingons on their bloody eggnog. They've gone through <laughs> 10 bottles. <laughs> they don't even like it. I don't even, like, I don't even know if I'm giving him eggnog. It's uh, Advocar, for God's sake, and it's expensive. <laughs> it's very expensive. It's like spirit. It is. There we go. It is, anyway, It is alcoholic. It is alcoholic. <laughs> It is alcoholic. Anyway, we've looked at this cover. That was last week. So yes, we uh, we've got another seven games to look at this week. Singles, mm. all kinds of stuff going on. Should we get into it? Should we yes. get into it? Yes. Let's get into it. Let's get into our first game this week. And that game is a budget game. It's a budget game which got 90%, a silver medal. Ooh. It is Slayer. Shiny. Slayer. Um, Slayer. Which, Slayer. Um, I'm trying to do my best uh, Slayer voice from Halo. Slayer. I thought he was trying to do an impression of the singer from the band Slayer. 
<laughs> I don't even know what they sound like. Neither do I. I'm in eggnog territory all over again. <laughs> he's just saying stuff. <laughs> the only reason I know that he's there, isn't it, is because it's the word Slayer in this game, and I've just attributed the two together. There you just go. The way it goes. It's the there way it rolls. Go. It is. Well, this is Slayer. This is from Houston's budget label, Racket, uh, and this is a horizontal shmup, very much in the mold of Salamander and Amalite. But can this budget title hold its own against those full-price behemoths? Well, this was created by Imperial Software Design, and that means oh. it was programmed and scored by Gary Biasillo. Um, uh, I didn't know he programmed games. Then. Not by the Empire, no, no, certainly not. Dun, dun, the offshoot. <laughs> Your lack of coding prowess displeases me. This multiplexer is rubbish. Sorry, Lord Vader, we'll do better next time. <laughs> we'll do better next time. Make sure you do. <laughs> he do. You do. Darth Vader doesn't speak that way. <laughs> Make sure you do, I Although said. Although he should. He Make should. sure he should do. Darth Vader should talk about that more often. I was going to say, you have now been promoted to lead coder. Do not disappoint me. <laughs> You'd set the build off too early. <laughs> uh, I thought it would be a good idea to release the game in pizza. <laughs> yes. Anyway, enough of that. Anyway, it was Gary Biasillo. He did the, we first saw him doing music. He did the music for Joe Blade and Target Renegade. He did, yeah. Uh, but he's got coding duties as well. He's coded this game as well. Um, and uh, to be fair, he's gone on to have quite a solid career in the industry. He's worked at EA quite a lot. During the early right. noughties, he worked on their NHL and FIFA series and other titles. Oh, me. He did art and graphics on Battlefield 3. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's been around then. And since then, he's, he's working on mobile titles at the moment, so he's still right. working as far as I can see. Good to see. Oh, nice. That's good. Um, graphics in this are by Mike Williams. He would go on to do some visuals on ST and Amiga games as well. So, you know, uh, these people went on to other stuff. They did stuff. Yeah, there's not much story to dig up on this one. I have to say, you are the slayer and you deal in death. That's what the box proclaims. It's you or them, so go out and kick some butts before they frazzle you with photon lasers. Fair that's enough. it. That's, that's your story. Do you exciting need more stuff. story? I don't think you do. No, it's exciting stuff. Uh, it is what it is. Because uh, we've seen plenty of games like this before, so why waste time on complicated stories when people just want to shoot stuff, really? You know, it is what it is. Uh, so the game starts with a decent title screen. We can play one or two players taking turns and use one or two joysticks. You can each have your own joystick. No multiplayer, though, so no simultaneous play, but you can oh. have your own joystick. But um, it's a little something. And you can also see the high scores if you want. We also get a decent rendition of the Human League's Blind Youth, which is an odd odd choice. (laughs) It's an odd choice for... For the song, though, but it kind Probably of fits. The, the only one they would license, but okay. <laughs> I don't I, License? <laughs> license. <laughs> but I think it works quite well here. There's a good version of it. Because obviously, Garabiasilla has done music. His music for Target Renegade it's is really is good. good so. It's got weird drums, but it's good. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, there's no options. Just to, Well, I've given two of the options. You press fire, it gets into the game. And we're in, instantly here. We're, we are in familiar territory. Um, this looks very like IO, I thought. Uh, mm. with some of uh, some of Armalite and Zynaps thrown in for good measure, you know. Which is, yep. you know, quite the compliment when those are some of the best-looking shooters around on the system. I mean, that's not, you know, we don't throw these names around uh, with abandon, but you know, that's they do. Look, it does look good. There's no auto fire, so get used to your thumb hurting after a while as you can mm-hmm. fire as fast as you can press it. But you know, that's good to see. We've mo- we've bemoaned so many games, um, you know, just a single bullet on screen. We've bemoaned loads of them where that's all you can do, but not here, that's for sure. And we're very much, as I said, in sci-fi territory. And the graphics are on the landscapes and the ship and enemies. They're pretty good. They're very good. I think it it looks and belies the budget price. This doesn't look particularly budget. It looks very oh, smart. I 
Looks very smart, plays very smart, sounds very nice. It's all good. And, you know, it looks a lot better than many full-price games we've seen. A lot better, I have to say. We're straight into the action. We're beset by ground-based enemies in the top and bottom because it's that kind of nemesis, salamanders. There's enemies top and bottom, but you're moving into a kind of space station type thing. So more like Io in that respect. So there's enemies shooting at you from top and bottom. And, you know, Frontier, you've got to navigate the landscape. Contact with anything kills you. Um, you know, anything bullets, landscape, enemies, anything, it all kills you. So avoid everything at all costs. The UI for this is at the bottom of the screen. It shows your score in nice big numbers, which I like. That score is big, and I liked it. The number of ships you have left in little slots, mm. which I quite liked as well. And the level you're on, which is well, it's good. It's not in the border. All right. We've seen a lot of stuff in the border recently to yeah. give us more screen space to play with, but I don't think it interferes too much with the amount of space the game takes place really? in. It's probably about seven-eighths of the screen is still still game, so it's still plenty big enough, so all right. Controls are simple, eight-way movement and fire to shoot. It's standard standard shoot up controls. It is what it is. Uh, as you progress through the level, you can find power-ups scattered about. Uh, these are always in the same place, so they're not they don't come from enemies. They are actually placed in the levels, so you, you can kind of count on where they're coming from. And they come in several variants. The first one you find is a purple orb. This gives you a spinning drone that orbits your ship and shoots as well. So it's not like the tracking ones of Salamander. It goes around. It's more like the... Uh, it's a cross between the ones from Salamander and the ones from Sidearms, I guess. Yeah, and Cybernoid as well. And Cybernoid, yeah. Yeah, Cybernoid too. So it goes around you and shoots where you know wherever it is. Uh, that's what it does as well. Uh, and you can have two of these on the go at one time if you find another one and they've still managed to keep hold of the one you have. So you'll be spitting out death all over the place you'll also see eyeballs that's kind of kind of weird so collect them though and you'll get first get downward 45 degree fire collect another and you get upward 45 degree fire so if you've got the two purple orbs and you've managed to get two eyeballs and you haven't died in the meantime that's quite a lot of firepower you suddenly seem to have at your disposal all good very useful uh there are also capsules if you run into these they activate a smart bomb killing everything on screen um again nice but i think this is where it kind of drops maybe falls down a bit because it's like they're placed so you can't use them where you might want to use them They are where they are, so it is what it is. Uh, finally, there are pods, um, and these give you extra lives should you collect them. So that's it. That's your, There's no holding down fire. There's no selecting your power-ups. There's no that weird stuff we saw with that other one the other week where you're getting all kinds of letters, E, I, X, F, P, all that kind of crazy stuff. None of that. Nice and simple. You just get what you get. The enemies that come at you are fairly varied. Some waves of enemies. There's these massive jets halfway through the first level. Yes, they are big. <laughs> For no reason. I don't know what they were doing there. Very odd. They're impressive, though, but they're odd and a little Mm -hmm. out of context. Uh, There's even massive snake-like orb chain things um, that sort of go, you know, spin around very fast. And that that is very impressive. Yeah, there's there's more than eight of them. There's a lot of sprites on screen. So they go around really fast as well, and they whiz around the screen, and you've got to take... Uh, shoot the head of them basically doesn't take much to shoot them as well which is quite nice usually these kind of things like in delta and stuff like that take about a million shots here not too many so it's not too bad should you make it to the end of the level you've got bosses that are there to be taken out uh, and these need to be taken out piece by piece shooting away its guns until you get to kill it quite a nice touch so it's you you know you've got to shoot out this the first one you've got it kind of fires cross bullets bullet straight on and these kind of sort of wavy bullets so you've got to take them out piece by piece each of its guns you're not sure you can shoot them at first when you finally do you're like ah it's kind of handy and i can say at this point try and keep your diagonal fire because it makes that first end level boss a lot easier trying to take it on with just your normal horizontal fire tricky oh, so tricky but uh yeah True. if you can do that it's good so the first one you shoot out its guns to kill it and there's like a small brain behind a load of guns you shoot that and you destroy it and you move on to the second level and there's a big dinosaur type thing it's got loads of bullets in its body you know, sort of guns in its body and moving about and stuff like that and you got to shoot them and then you take out shoot you blow its mouth off and then you kill that one and the third one is a lizard like a lizard type thing where it's got a huge gun behind it 
um, and you've got to kill all that. Yeah, so throughout, the visuals are very good. And the end-of-level bosses are a particular standout. I thought they were really nicely drawn. some nice shading on them. They look cool. It's all nice. They're big and screen. They do that thing where a lot of it's character graphics and the small bits moving, but it works well. It works well. And so, yeah, pretty good so far. What the downside? It's hard. <laughs> it's it's quite hard. And the collision detection is a bit on the unforgiving side. It's not armor like not on your side. It feels it's not as bad as IO, I don't think, which I think is a bit too bad. But it's somewhere in the middle of armor light and IO, I thought this, in difficulty level. It is tricky. You will die a lot. And I think it's that because it's only got th- those three levels, which I guess is the other downside. I mean, I managed to make it to level two. Did you get to level two? Yeah, um, yeah I got past uh, the yeah. first boss. Yeah, so you get past the first boss, and when you, you and when you start a new level, you lose all your previous power power ups. But at the start of level two, there's these like indestructible balls that are oscillating like 45 degrees side to side. Yeah, you know, so like from the, like the ball, the balls out of uh, whiz ball, didn't they? Green ball. Yeah, they're green, but they're like stacked four on top, and they go boo. You know, yeah, sort yeah. of side to side, sort of stationary at the bottom, yeah, but yeah. then waving. Like a, yeah, like a waving sort of thing, like a sort of clock hand or something like that, going back and forth. And they take, they take up nearly the entirety of the screen. Yeah, it's um, tricky. And you've also got a gun shooting it from the other side of it, and you've got a very, very small gap to get through. And then you've got another one and another one and another one, which is even harder. And I think that was as far as I got. I couldn't get past them. I could get past the first couple, but it's just it's just too much. There's some of them. Most of the long plays I went to have a look at on YouTube are tool or poke assisted, you know, which goes to show that the game is tough. There is one I watched which someone did make it through without, which was impressive. But most of them, and they say in the actual write-ups that they, this game is too hard. You, you you need it. But it is it's tough. It's very hard. And I think those three levels, I think they've tuned it because there's only three levels, so we've got to keep give some people doing to go out. It's a bit of a shame, really. Three levels is a bit tight, I think. Most people, but you know, most people never see them as it becomes really really hard as you progress and again that's a shame as the graphics on the later parts are really nicely done i was watching the youtube playthroughs and some of the latest later sections they're really really look really cool and most people are never going to get to see them it's like oh no there's a bit of a shame there's a lot to like here though for three quid this is probably the best budget shooter we've seen all told i don't know if we've seen much better in terms of you know it looks and sounds great and it's going to offer plenty of challenge that's for sure so the draw to come back is pretty high and i found myself i found myself banging my head against this for some time i quite enjoyed it uh, I thought it was all right. There are some concessions too difficulty though. There's got some mid-level continues should you die part way through. That's nice. You don't go all the way back to the beginning. And on the whole, I, I, yeah, I think 90% for this, for a three quid product, I think that's about right. It's very well produced. I think if they had one more level, toned the difficulty down a notch, this had been one of the best on the machine. This is going to have been a real, like people would have talked about this a lot. Three quid is incredible. But you know, for three quid as it is, you could do a hell of a lot worse. This is, you know, if you're, if you're into your shoot ups and you want a budget, Armalite, Zynaps, IO type affair. This is going to be, you know, this is going to do you grand. I enjoyed my time with this, just a bit too hard. But what did you think? Um, I didn't like it as much as you did, but nor is it rubbish. In fact, far from it. I mean, it's very pretty, um, really nice looking. Graphics have that kind of, they've kind of developed a look for this kind of pixel shading on the 64. There's a lot of games picking up on it. Cybernoids do it. A lot of the Houston games have that kind of look, but that's not a bad look good mm-hmm. sort of that sort of metallic-y shaded kind of effect it's, it's good it's got some it plays okay i mean don't get me wrong you know there's aside from a very infrequent little glitch on the multiplexer that occurs now and again it was pretty much flawless really mm. i mean my finger just got tired hammering the button really essentially <laughs> yeah. in this, which is kind of what it sort of niggled niggled me with it the upgrades don't really make you feel very powerful either because you don't keep them for long because it is quite hard mm. um and that's kind of a bit of a bugbear but it's three quid so there's good detail in this actually in the pixel work i, I, I was impressed with the graphics for a budget game it's like you said 
it's really head and shoulders above many that we've played. The sound effects are very sparse in the game, though. The music's good at the beginning, but the sound effects are very... The sound effects of your main sh- sort of shooting will drive you slowly mad. It will do if you keep hammering it, especially when you get quite a few, because they get ricochet sound effects as well, which kind of overwrite each other, don't they? And it gets a bit Yeah, tinny. it's just a bit of a... C- bit of a cacophony and there's not a lot yeah. of other sounds in it no that's so true. it's a bit weird and the star sort of the stars in the background don't scroll separately which i suppose is a you know maybe with all the stuff going on does it matter but it just you know it's a budget game i think maybe they'd have been benefited from more shorter levels we've said that about a couple of these games three long levels or longish levels just you know you could do shorter levels six shorter levels is just as good just the same yeah but other than that I thought it was very good for a budget game with some of those nice details. Just a bit too difficult. It's just on the wrong end of the difficulty spike for me. But then again, I say that it's, it is very difficult, but there's only three levels. Maybe that's why. And maybe you I, th- know, I think that's exactly why. Yeah, I think. But that's it. Um, I think my main gripe with it is it just felt a little bit devoid of its identity. It was, but so much, so much of it was borrowed from other games that it felt like it didn't have an identity of its own. Yeah, it just felt like it was. You're looking at a game that was a bit of a Frankenstein of all sorts of other games, which isn't a bad thing. But it's just, it just could have done with its own little bit of something. I don't know quite what that would have been. And it has it here and there in some of the design, but I think it's just, I don't know. In a, it, we, I think we've played that many of these games now that to stand out, you do need to have a little bit of something, a little bit of sauce, magic sauce in there, even a little tiny bit. And this one just felt like I was looking at a bit of a, I don't know, a sort of a Houston by numbers shooter game type, really. But that said, for three quid, it ain't bad either. So I, I enjoyed playing it, but uh, I just found it a little bit, um, I don't know, just a bit dull. I think, I think, I, 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 I get that. I think maybe what what the second and third levels are much more individual in the fact they go a bit more organic and they're not quite that. We've seen that, you know, that opening like Zynapse, Armalite, IO, Space Station type look loads of times, you said. The second and third level don't go down that route so much. They're a bit more organic. And so maybe if it had sort of lent into that for the first level, it had been maybe had, a, like you said, giving it a bit more of its own identity, I think. It might have, I don't think it would have helped, though. I think the problem is that all these levels have been kind of done. And that's not their fault of this game. They've just yeah. been done a lot. You know, we've seen that many side-scrolling shooters. And I think perhaps we've just seen a lot recently. We've just been a whole bunch all at once. Yeah, there has. So they all kind of have a look and play play in a kind of way. And I don't know if it's me getting tired of them, maybe a little bit of that, but I think there's just nothing about this stood out, really. I've seen good graphics because it looked a bit like Cybernoid too, and we had that last time. And I think it just needed something, just needed something a little bit, I don't know what that would be, but it just needed something. But that said, it was way better than some of the other guff we've played, the side-scrolling type, so... For three pounds, it amazes me that for three quid, it's a real, it's a bargain. There's no way around that. I mean, yeah. It's really good I think that's what it is. If you take your mind back all the way when you, what you remember we said about that hole in one game and you go, it's, it's, it's budget leaderboard. It's budget, budget armor like IO, isn't it? It is. And, and so if all you've got is three quid, you can't afford the, the real version. This is a decent, decent enough substitute. It is. It is, but it's just, it's an above average budget game, but not an above average shooter. It's just like it's, a, it's just like the others. Yeah. But for three quid, at least it's better value than some of those god awful things we've played. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I enjoyed true. playing it. I did enjoy playing it, and it does. And I'm, I think you're right. It wouldn't look out of place graphically next to Armalite and some of the others that we've played, and IO and things like that. The graphics are amazing, and it's really good for that. Mm. Yeah. There we go. Slayer. Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> And all that. And all that, yeah, indeed. <laughs> that's our first one, Slayer. So, we, uh, yeah, I'm probably more into that one than you are, but that's fair enough. But for three quid, a bargain. Let's move on. We've got two more left. Let's see what they joys they might bring. And, Graham, it's time for you to be a hopper copper. Do you know, I don't think there's going to be much fun to be had from this. <laughs> Do you not? 
Oh No, I don't. This is from Silverbird. It's, it's coded by Mr. Bury again. We've had him before. Yeah, what did he do? I can't remember what he did. You know what? I didn't even look because it, I, mean, I remember mentioning it in the last Bury game and it was, I can't remember, it wasn't really good. That's what I remember. No. So here, the graphics are just by Sam and that's off Lemon and the musician is Kim Christensen and the music wasn't bad, I suppose. So this is Hopper Copper, 199, 30 whole percents from the old Zap team. It says Hopper Copper by Prune Software. Anyway, um, it wasn't released by the way. A team of four armed and dangerous robbers are on the loose. They're ready to commit crime at any time. Where will they strike next? Will it be the bank, the restaurant, or even the chip shop? These cruel desperados have carefully planned their crime spree. They've stolen all the police cars and hidden them, leaving you only a child's astro hopper on which to give them chase. Mm. Mm-hmm. Once you've found them, you must bounce on them, knock them out, and leave them to be picked up by the only police van still in the district. That's the game. That's what we're going to do. There's four types of robbers. There's bashers, triggers, nasties, and looties. Bashers throw clubs at you, which will stun you. Triggers it will shoot at you, take shots, trigger happy. Nasties um, is like a little kid, drops tacks on the ground, and obviously pop your hopper, um, which sounds very painful. <laughs> no one's popping my hopper, thank you very much. <laughs> the looty chap is hammers, only he carries a loot bag, so it could cause you, and should cause you no problems. So quite the purpose of the looties. Anyway, I don't know. I think... There's also, um, in the instructions, there is a map for this, which you will need because, you know, well, you won't need it because you won't want to do it, but, you know, there's a map. So it's a daft idea this turned into a game. Mm-hmm. I don't quite understand f- a few things about this, and I'll sort of tackle them as I go along. The front-end presentation was okay. Okay. So it's a, there's a Hopper Copper logo. It's got its own little brand, and there's a policeman on a bloody space hopper. Why aren't they calling them space hoppers anyway? Well, since when has it ever been known as an astro hopper? Or is it just me that called it? Is, is, uh, was you know, space, space hopper, hopper copyrighted? I don't know. I just I read it in the Zach review. They refer to it as astro hopper. And I'm like, astro hopper? Anyway. Maybe a regional um, thing. I suppose it's all meant to be fun and nothing too serious, I guess. You know, what you know, you got you're a policeman chasing criminals on a <laughs> on a on a space hopper. Yeah. Why don't you just walk? <laughs> you or run. faster and easier to control, that's for exactly, sure. Exactly, exactly. Or just use the one van that's working and round them up in that. You don't really need to just chase <laughs> after anybody on a space you hopper. You could fit loads more coppers in a van as well. Why a space hopper? Why not just get a bike? Or any other mode of transport that isn't as ridiculous and painful to use and <laughs> any long-winded journey. Anyway, once you pass the title screen and the hopper copper and his astro hopper go past or his space hopper, which I prefer the name of, you can start the game. So there you go. You start the game. And I found that when you start the game, you're presented with your hopper copper, copper on a space hopper, and you just hop around. Yeah. So you just hop to the left, you hop to the right, go past some shops, <laughs> hop around. Seemingly there was no criminals in the vicinity when I was doing it. And I found that the game itself was kind of devoid of anything to do for me, aside from hop past some shops looking for the robbers that... There is a map on there as well, and I'll come to the layout of the screen. But there seem to be precious few robbers on this game, and precious few of anything. There's only four, remember? Yeah, but there's only, well, it's four types, but I mean, I came across, in in the full time I was playing this, I came across one. I'll come back to that, though. So the game screen was split into the logo at the top, a street map kind of thing under that, which presented you as a dot, and any um, of your criminal friends as a dot. Mm-hmm. Under that, there's the main game area with some, I guess you'd call them passable, maybe just backgrounds of streets, shop fronts, and such. And your copper on his hopper, bouncing. You move the uh, copper with your joystick. You press the fire button to bounce higher. Under that uh, window, there's some text which tells you your location, where there is a crime happening, which is obviously where you need to get to. 
and a countdown timer, which the relevance and inclusion of is not mentioned in the instructions whatsoever. So I'm guessing it <laughs> indicates some kind of remaining time that you have. The street view does have junctions and turns, so you're actually moving around a map, which, as I've said, is in the instructions. And so there is a kind of direction of sorts. The idea is you find the locations of the crimes on the map and hop on the robbers. So hence the hopper copper. <laughs> Hilarious. But the idea is that you'll obviously come across them, hop on them, and then you leave them ready for the van to pick up. At that point, you probably should get in the van and then just you know, drive around and find them. It's much quicker. Much quicker. Every robber I came across, and I say every, or one of them, and the whole time I played it, came across like a roadrunner. Like he was, like he sped away from me at like a rate of knots. I couldn't catch up with him on my space. It would have been quicker to throw that away and run after him. <laughs> so I was just desperately hopping after this robber on my space hopper. And he just, but he's bombed, bombed off the screen. He was, he was gone. It's like a bloody rat out of trap. There's no chance. So the, it was way faster than I could hop, even at a full hopping speed, which was alarmingly fast for a man on a space hopper. <laughs> So I couldn't catch any criminals or hop in anybody because I couldn't find anybody. When I did, they ran away like a bloody, you know, like they were, they were, they were, there was no way I was catching up with them, put it that way. They were fast. It was you're the same, you're the same bolt of robbers here. Graphics are all very borderline in this game. And the hopper and the copper, I suppose they look like what they are in that kind of bitty way. So it looked more like a, a, a splodge of policeman-shaped sprite looking sat on a balloon. But okay, it's what it is, what it is. But none of it felt very well developed or very well thought out. It exists, is the most you could say about this game. It looks the part, I guess. If that, if you were aiming to make a game based around a policeman on a space opera, then uh, this would be the output. Then it would be what it is. It is, um, yeah. And it's so it looks the part. The music was catchy and not unpleasant. I thought on this, it was all right. The music, not bad. Mm. So that side of it's okay. The sort of you can almost get away with the production because it's a functioning game loop. This graphics aren't great. You know, they're quite blocky, really. Um, but they are there and they do function in what they're supposed to be. The game though is dull and fruitless. Um, and that's and, and trouble is then it's that also neither funny or fun. Just hopping around quickly becomes tiresome, and there's little payoff either because I didn't catch anybody, nor was there any chance I was probably likely to. You'll quickly realise with this game, that even for a couple of quid, it's just nothing but code and a badge, and that and that ain't good, that ain't good for anyone. <laughs> So I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was a bit meaningless and dull with some blocky, back, every now and again, blocky-ish background graphics and the occasional robot just bounce on that you're never going to catch. Other than that, it was devoid of anything that interested me and I was quickly aiming for the restart button. How about you? Well, I did actually catch two robbers, which then only <laughs> added more questions because when you catch them, you bounce on them, you knock them to the floor, and then the van turns up and takes them away. What's the whole purpose of the game? Yeah, Stupid. It, it is. Okay. As you say, why are we not using the van in the first well, place? Because <laughs> that way you, you wouldn't be able to call it Hopper Copper then. <laughs> van Copper. Copper van. <laughs> copper van. Cop van, the cop, game. Cop van, the game. Just chase around, drive around. Oi, stop it. What do you, yeah. I mean, what do you say about this? Stolen police cars leaving only space hoppers to move about on. I mean, okay. It wouldn't be too bad, I guess, if the game did anything interesting with it. Instead, you bounce mm. around these boring streets, which reminded me of the old them old games we played like um, Ghetto Blaster Ghetto Blaster I was trying to think of the bloody game and was like, those yes. kind of things you know that kind of you come to a junction and you push up and go in, or Andy Cap it's, those, yeah. it's that kind yeah, of yeah, navigation yeah. except in here I got annoyed by the drone music the music annoyed me but I struggled to navigate through the junctions because I'd over and over I'd be pushing up and down and it wouldn't no no not going up there you have to be like almost pixel perfect to actually get get to go up and down these to turn these junctions first i thought i was lost but anyway you just track down these very similar bad guys and bounce them there's just very little to this and burry did stunt bike simulator oh that's the one the one where you have to hang glide onto your bike to start with yeah that yeah. one that one so i suppose like you said i've written the same there's very little to this I suppose the best you can say about it is that it works as intended 
I guess. What a damning review that would be. <laughs> it works as intended. Uh, yes. Okay. That, but that's not much at all to commend it, is it? No, you've, really. you've made a thing and it works and <laughs> it's not a, it's not a particularly interesting thing and it's kind of no. stupid and it's a bit boring and bland. A copper yeah. on a space hopper shouldn't be boring, really. All things said, it's quite, really. it's quite, like you said, it's quite an amusing concept and they could have done some amusing stuff with it. I don't know. And I thought that there'd have been more thing hazards popping your space hopper than there is, but there isn't any. Fact, fact from the, if you meet that guy, which you won't. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we bemoan games which just constantly spawn enemies, but then when it's nothing, <laughs> it's yeah, the complete it opposite. <laughs> there needs to be some kind of challenge. It reminded me of that Laurel and Audi game that we played. A bit. Yes, yeah, that as well. That's what I was thinking about that as well when playing mm. this. It's those, and also in Navigation, Death Wish 3, that He-Man, yeah. that He-Man yeah. game. It was the Laurel and Audi game was the last one I played where I was just wandering around for ages doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, not the last one, but it's the last one that felt a bit like this does. Yeah, it's devoid of anything to do. Yeah, because so. that handicap game was m- morose. It's just so depressing. <laughs> this one is, yeah, yeah, the hot, yeah, that uh, Laurel and Hardy is quite close. Anyway, 30%, yeah, I suppose 30% is because it works <laughs> as intended. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 30% for the fact that it loads. And it's two quid. Great. Yeah, you wouldn't be happy with this. No, and the tape would be quite short, so even if you wanted to tape over it with uh, some singles off radio, <laughs> you wouldn't get many on it, would you? You wouldn't, no. So you'd be a bit disappointed there as well. You might yeah. get like a half a take Five on minutes. me on it. Yeah, well, you get take. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to have something police-themed. You'd get Roxanne on it if it's a coppish tape, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Every breath you take or something, you'd have to be... A best. jaunty version of the bill theme. <laughs> do, 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 better than the do, music, do. isn't it? Oh dear. Anyway, there we go. Hopper Copper. It's not very good. Let's move on. We've got one more left. And that one is partial credit to the Pepsi Challenge Mad Mix game. If you have two Pepsis and someone gives you three more, how many do you have? Five Pepsis. Well done. Partial credit. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is shameless, isn't it? The Pepsi Challenge Mad Mix game. What do you say? Right. From US Gold and developed by Toposoft, we are challenged by Pepsi in the Mad Mix game. Why are Pepsi challenging us? What is the Mad Mix? Maybe the story behind the game will enlighten us. Are you ready for this? As far as Mad was concerned, life was going nowhere. Bored, with few friends, he was always on the lookout for a good time, but he still lacked something. His father had told him many stories of his grandfather, the great Mad Elder. The most successful of his <laughs> the most successful of his Pepsi Man family at the grueling task of dealing with the prowling house ghosts, which, to the embarrassment of Mad, had not been continued by his father. Then it happened. Ghosts started to appear, spreading destruction and panic throughout the entire Pepsi village. In desperation, the mayor of the beleaguered little town turned to Mad's father for help. However, to the astonishment of everyone, Father Mad admitted that he had always been afraid of ghosts and would have to decline. <laughs> No, I'm not doing it. Stupid story segue is that. (laughs) Mad, incensed by his father, decided instantly that it was time to follow in his grandfather's footsteps in what must be the most dangerous Pepsi Man challenge. The mission then, Mm. the challenge is to guide the Pepsi Man through each of the 15 mazes in turn, dodging ghosts and other evil creatures. Use skill and timing to take advantage of all the special features secreted throughout each maze, because only a combination of these will allow you to be successful. Ghosts, mazes... Mm. This sounds awfully familiar, and not much to do with Pepsi. No, I think this is this wins the gratuitous use of the word Pepsi award. 
for definite, you know. It's a special award just for this game. I think so. Pepsi Man, Pepsi Town, Pepsi, Pepsi Village. Pepsi Town, Pepsi Village. Uh, Pepsi Man Challenge. Anyway, this was coded by Jesus Medina, graphics by Roberto P. Acebes, I think. Music by Cesar Astudillo and designed by Rafael Gomez. And I apologize for the pronunciation there. Who I presume make up Topo Soft, I guess. That's they also drink a lot of Pepsi during the making of this game. <laughs> too much. Too much Pepsi. So if you've not guessed, this is a Pac-Man variant or maybe a Pac-Mania variant, I guess, as this features scrolling mazes in addition to the simple formula in the original game. The story has no real bearing on the game at all. None. And it seems that the game's tie-in with Pepsi was that if you scored over 20... This made me laugh. If you scored over 20,000 points in the game you sent your name and address and that of a witness to verify your score <laughs> yes i can say he got twenty five thousand points did he yes did he really yes, he did I, I saw it i saw it with my own eyes god bless me you'd be entered into a prize draw to win some cool pepsi merch which going by the picture inside the instructions look like a pepsi watch a u.s gold cap a pepsi ruler a Thunderblade t-shirt and even a mystery game so if you spent mm. a tenner on this because it's 10 pound you got over 20k and you sent it off, you might get a ruler. Oh, I suppose it's something. It's something. But you might not. You're in a prize draw. So. <laughs> Lamest prize draw ever. It's not great. So would you want to play this to get... I mean, what's the mystery game? It's going to be Thunderblade, isn't it? So would you want to play this to get 20,000 into the draw? Or is this just a cheap way to get people to buy a game for a tenner and then possibly offer them a chance of a couple of quid prize for playing it? 50p prize, whatever. Yeah. It's like those it's those claw machines at the, the beach. It certainly is. It's one of them. I'll let you decide on that one. Back to the game. And I said this sits somewhere between Pac-Man and Pac-Mania, which was the isometric 3D scrolling update to Pac-Man from Namco, which we will get a port of somewhere down the line. I think 1989 we get a port of that. Here in Mad Mix Challenge, you play as Pepsi Man, and you must navigate 15 scrolling mazes and eat all the pills contained in the maze and not get caught by the ghost. He's Pac-Man. You know Pac-Man. Everyone knows Pac-Man. The mazes are bigger though than the screen and scroll in all four directions, up, down, left, right. Standard Pac-Man rules apply in that you have power pills, which make you invulnerable and are able to eat the ghost. But they have added some new abilities and enemies into the mad mix as well. As well as the ghost, there is the Lady Bother. Not the Lady Botherer, which would be worse, I suppose, but the Lady Bother. It's just the Ladybird. So this roams the maze and replaces pills you've already eaten. Then there is the Repugnant, which is a really strange name for something, which clamps pills, stopping you from eating them. But you can counter these new enemies. You can now turn into a Pepsipotamus. For God's sake. (laughs) Which stops you from eating pills, but allows you to kill both the Lady Bother and the Repugnant. Uh, You can also change into the Pepsi Digger which allows you to unclamp the pills clamped by the repugnant. There are also special tiles. The most basic of these move you in set direction and then disappear once they have done so. So it's basically they point their arrows pointing up, down, left, or right. When you step on them, it pushes you in that direction. Turn, yeah, but there are also tiles which turn you into the Pepsi tank or the Pepsi ship. And whilst on these, you can blast enemy, any enemies that get in your way. There's like a little sort of treadmill. It's like a little band sort of thing, and you move up and down. Track, it and you yeah. Track, yeah, and you bury the tank, and you can shoot and shoot the ghost and stuff. Um, finally, there are trapdoors, which can only be entered in one direction because they flip up after you've gone through them. Are they useful for blocking ghosts hot on your trail? They're quite handy because the ghosts will bounce off them because they stop progress. As ever with Pac-Man, the aim is to eat all the pills, and in doing so, you progress to the next different maze and repeat as the challenge goes up and the new enemies and tiles are slowly introduced. The first maze is pretty much the same as the original Pac-Man, but from there, they change them up quite significantly. The mazes loop round from left to right as well, so they are not infinite. They're not that wide, but they go from left to right. So, you know, you're not if you go all the way to the left, you just keep going, but it's just a, the actual maze design loops around, like, kind of like Defender. They take up the top three quarters of the screen and the UI at the bottom shows a Topo Soft logo, a Pepsi logo, because of course. Also shows the year. 
which I, I didn't. Why? Why? Why the year? Don't question the logic of crazy. Um, told you. Yeah, there's also the name of the game. None of this is of any use at this point. Nope. Finally, we get your score and number of lives left. Uh, okay. The graphics on this are functional at best. It's not slow and it moves and scrolls smoothly. So I'll give it that. It does move around fast. And it's, there's nothing bad about how it plays. It plays fine. The sprites are a bit on the blocky and distinct side. Pepsi Man is like Pac-Man with legs. So he's, they've gone for that sort of thing. And it had, kind of has a, a bit of an isometric sort of top-down look view to it. But, you know, it's all right. Um, but they're a bit blocky um, in the stink side. The maze are a bit dull as well. And there's really weird, odd nods to Pac-Man in the walls of them at times. There's like a pack, it's like the Pac-Man mm. is just there, which is odd. I found that was quite weird. It's like, you've ripped off Pac-Man. Don't put Pac-Man in it. <laughs> Pretty sure Namco have nothing to do with this. You know, the, the ghost of going around, it, it's Pac-Man. It looks similar to Pac-Man and Pac-Mania, but sort of somewhere in the middle. The sound is nothing to write home about. There's a really boring average tune at the start. There's the usual eating noises you monster pills. However, the little ditty that plays as the lady bother, na 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 moves around, replacing the pills will drive you crazy, which is, I suppose, yep. the, is the point. Because you want to go and kill it. It gets very annoying, though. So, you know, you want to go stop it doing that or whatever. I don't know. We've got the port of Pac-Mania coming out soon. But if you wanted some scrolling Pac-Man action in your life at the moment, this got, what did it get? It got 40-odd percent, 48. Yeah, it's competent. It's fine. It's average. It's got some nice little additions to the formula with the guns and the stuff. The problem is, is that the aside from the original maze, the, the new mazes are not that well designed. They're really like... It's just a load of cross cross points, and they're not yep. that particularly interesting to navigate. So it actually goes makes you appreciate that original maze all the more because it's a well designed maze and has proper little points of you know getting around and stuff. I also found uh, because you're constantly moving, I would often miss turnings because it just wouldn't either recognize my push or whatever. Um, so I had to kind of start playing, sort of compensate for that, and pushing up well early or down well early, right, right, whatever. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, for a branding exercise, this is dreadful. But as a game, I didn't hate it. It's cross-promotional nonsense. I just don't get what it had to do with Pepsi. It's a strange one for sure. This It's weird. It's not a terrible scrolling Pac-Man game. It's just a bit average. And I don't know. I don't really know what to say about it. It's a bit ugly, all told, as well. It is what it is. What did you think? Principally the same. Medium res bitty Pac-Man clones. Ugh. <laughs> um, playable in the way that Pac-Man is. But it's all mm-hmm. been done. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this, this idea that they're sort of mixing things up a bit with, you know, different characters and shooting up spaceships on tracks bits and stuff. Maybe they, maybe that's maybe it is that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I suppose really I, I enjoyed parts of it because it's like saying you can't enjoy Pac-Man. Now, what's not, Pac-Man has an instant appeal of just wandering around collecting the things. It's an easy game to get into. There's no difficult challenge reading this game. You know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it was really easy. That first level was way easy. So, and I suppose that, you know, okay, that's maybe the in. But the graphics felt like a massive step backward for me. They looked chunky. It was kind of the look of it. If you imagine if Gauntlet and Pac-Man had a child, that's what it would kind of look like on the it's also It's also grey, isn't it, as well? That first maze is yeah. grey. That's not a good, not a friendly colour. It's just not very it's not terrible crap but it's also not great as in it's just not that enjoyable a game yeah you might for the novelty of it if it was budget i know it's a i don't sure what it's got to do with pepsi and all you know i was just overwhelmed with the pepsiness of it all but uh it's got budget game written all over this if this was 199 it might be it might have been a little bit more you know forgiving and passable yeah yeah but for, you know, for the best part of eight quid or more or less full price i'm not sure really what it's offering for full price and as you said you've got pac-mania and stuff like that around the corner and you've also had Pack Land, which is more fun to play than this, even if it wasn't perfect. Mm. So I don't know. I don't think there's a place for this in my uh, 
grand canon of amazing games. I don't generally like these really obviously, tie, you know, product-based tie-in games either like this. I'm sure we'll end up playing the Coca-Cola, you know, Super Challenge <laughs> game or something shortly because they were all always each other's tails, weren't they? But Maybe. It, this is neither, it's not terrible, but neither is it very interesting, nor is it doing anything interesting. And even the little quirks that they've added aren't really that much fun. So in the end, it's a dull snooze, an old bore, an unworking clock. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's just it's just not very interesting. You know, it's a table tennis bat in the sand. You know, it's just you know, it's just not very interesting. I don't know what I don't know what that metaphor means. It's just, it's just you, it's, it's one of those things. It's just it's neither here nor there. You look at it, you go. Eh. It might make you go. Oh, why is that there? But this, you're not going to not going to spend too much time thinking about it. So. That's me. Yeah, that was me as well. It's, it's a it's a discarded shoe on the street. I just don't over Pepsi. You no, know, just you know, it Pepsi was. this and the Pepsi that. The Pepsi man must meet the Pepsi woman for the Pepsi challenge. Pepsi, 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 Pepsi. By the way, is it sponsored by Pepsi by any chance? Or just, yeah, God you know, knows why. Could they get the word Pepsi in it enough? It's just God, just get lost. I mean, I wonder. I, I don't. Want to, I mean, that whole story before the front. It's just just crazy. It's just really odd. Really, just, really weird. It's written, it's written by Mr. Pepsi from PepsiCo. <laughs> by no, no. We need a Pepsi-like story in there. Get the Pepsi on it. Bob Pepsi Man. We need a uh, Pepsi and Shirley in it somewhere. Or yeah, could have done. Could have got them in as a bit of a cross-promotional, more cross-promotional nonsense. Yeah, more cross-promotional stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That's uh, the Pepsi Challenge, Mad Mix game, or Mad Mix game, the Pepsi Challenge, whatever. Whichever one it is, it's it's Pepsi Tastic. I suppose is all you can say about it. Yeah, it is. Pepsi yeah. Tastic. Uh, that's it. That's our first three games for this episode. We're going to take a quick break. We will be back shortly, where we will be talking about singles in the run up to Christmas, December 1998. So please, please, Pepsi, stick Pepsi with us, Pepsi. Drink Pepsi. Now, if I could just make it out past Dizzo, I don't think the cops will ever discover this contraband I'm carrying. I'm going to be rich! Wait, oh no, it's a police viper! Right, Cobra Mark Three pilot, let's be having you. What's in the cargo hold then? Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing of interest, sir. Just some textiles and willow pattern plates from Lave. Really? I see some books and audiobooks back there. David Hearn's Case of the Notorious Roboticist, Starfarers and Thanians in Space, and a copy of Back in Time for a Donut. But I was hungry. And you've got them in audiobook format and paperback. You know books are illegal in this system. No copy of Escape from the Commodore 64, though. Well, well, I I could grab it next time and maybe give it to you for your trouble. Mm, On your way, then. Move along and watch out for Thargoids. That was a close one. For more details on cargo just like mine, hyperjump over to davidhernwriter.com. Now, just a dock at that space station without a docking computer. And we're back. We're back with the singles in December 1988. And we have been joined by a very special guest as ever. He's been dressed up as Santa and everything he has for this recording. Um, it, it is, of course, Mr. Gary Wilson. How are you, Gary? Are you all right? Hello. Hello. I thought rather than Santa, most people would describe me as an elf. Well, well yeah. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I wouldn't either. No, I'm too polite. Far too polite to say that live. That's right. <laughs> to your face. Good, e- good evening. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Nor um, do I ever want to think of or see you wearing tights. Ever <laughs> again, <laughs> again, I'm not like you've seen it before. Yeah, I have well, many times, you know, only, when. only in my nightmares, <laughs> sweet dreams. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Anyway, yes, we're joined by Mr. Wilson for his uh, copious knowledge about music and yes. also to <laughs> help bump up the volume of content here for this uh, <laughs> the Christmas music, which is yes. a little on the lacking side, shall we say. Which is odd, consider it's Christmas. I've been brought yeah. in as the Patsy then. Brilliant. Thanks. You have, yeah. You've been you've been here to yeah. tell us stories, you know, and, and just fill up, fill up space. Um, yeah, but you, you get, story, because you know shit. You know shit. <laughs> shit you can use. I've just I've wasted my life. <laughs> you have. Uh, yes. Right, let's yes, get into yes. these uh, singles. Yeah. Number one, all month, mistletoe and wine. Cliff the Richard. whole month. The whole all month. month. All bloody month. Mistletoe and wine. What can yes. you say about this, Cliff? Say, is it Sir Cliff? I think it is Sir Cliff. It is Sir Cliff. It? It I is think we have to refer to him as Sir Cliff. Yeah, um, Sir Sil. <laughs> friend to the BBC, friend to octogenarians everywhere, friend to tennis court singing. Ava, oh, he uh, did, I forgot he did that, didn't he? Was it Wimbledon, wasn't it? We just started singing, singing in the rain or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody, when... I'm going to do a little song for you. <laughs> Please don't tell me that was a Cliff Richard impersonation. <laughs> Goodness in a break me. of play, I'm just going to have a little bit of a song. Yeah. <laughs> What's, what? Is he having a stroke? I don't know. Have you sat on something? <laughs> Not recently. Uh, that's true. <laughs> but uh, it was crap, yeah. really, wasn't it? It was really crap. I mean, I mean, the the the, vid, the video for yeah. this is is appalling, and those yep. incredibly cheap Vic Twenty style animations that were overlaid. <laughs> yeah. We're just. What was the point to that? What was the point to those animations? Because. Somebody had bought the Quicksell paint box yeah. Uh, yeah. at the time, and that's what it was. I, th- I To be fair, as I said, I think we covered this a uh, week or so back or a few weeks back. I, c- I don't hate this. It's just become synonymous with Christmas these days. It just is what it is. It's become one of those songs. It is. I, I get that. I, I get that. I, totally. I can't get angry with it. It's just, I just know it. It's like there. It's like it's always been there, and that's a problem. Like There was before mistletoe wine and after, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's how time is now measured. <laughs> BMW. <laughs> Before yeah. mistletoe and wine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it is what it is. I can't get angry at it because I just can't. New singles then, because that's it, that's it for you, number one. 4th of December, straight in at number two, being kept off by Cliff himself, especially for you, by Kylie and Jason. Mm. It, uh, it's weird, this single, and I find it really quite strange. Like, for example, if you go to the official video on YouTube, um, about four comments down, someone wrote, something along the lines of this isn't just a song it is a timeless masterpiece <laughs> and, is it, I, initial J, jd again like the last time a jason donovan song came out <laughs> I, it's probably the same person who made the comment the other other time that i came on this so who knows but i, I love kylie everyone loves kylie i'm not too keen on jason klf no. did a kylie said to jason song they're they're kind of cultural well less jason donovan more kylie because kylie is kylie isn't she everyone loves kylie but at the heart of it, this song is pretty crap, isn't it? It's not great. It's very dull. It's very dull. It's really it's dull. So yes. boring. It's really Especially boring. For, it's like it, just like you can imagine. There's a thousand pubs throwing out or nightclubs, and they put it on at the end, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, I've had a snog with Sharon," and I've been to this song, and so on and so on. It's just it's it's just part of the cultural landscape nowadays. But that doesn't detract from the fact that the song is pretty bad. It is, but design. You know, timing-wise, for the wedding of bloody Kylie and Jason and their TV yeah, yeah, alter yeah. egos, wasn't it? There's no accident that it came out when it did. Yeah. What were they the were names? T- what were the names in the program? Charlene and Scott and Charlene. Charlene Scott, and Scott, Scott, mate. Oh yeah. 
We'd just like to apologise to our Australian listeners for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we don't quite know what, what came over him. <laughs> hopefully it was a pillow. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully it wasn't Jason Donovan. Um, anyway, uh, no, but it, it, Jason Donovan is spectacularly out of tune in that song, actually, if you listen to it. and mm. very, He's very flat. Yes. So, um, which is odd, considering he went on to have a you know a fairly illustrious uh, musical career in the theatre, didn't he? He did, yeah. I mean, I I know Gary that you would much prefer this if it was sang by Angry Anderson, seeing as we know how much you do like his work. <laughs> but he, they Big said fan. he was angry, but he seemed quite pleasant. I think he did. He, he did. A, did he have a bald head? But he looked looked a little bit charming. He was quite angry in uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I don't remember him. Yes. I watched that recently. Uh, no, no, I watched Mad Max too. No, I didn't watch the Thunder. He's in Beyond Thunderdome. Thunder. Yeah, he's, yes, the, he's, he the, he's the angry, small, uh, bald guy who's on the yeah. front of the train. He's, Sings he's all mad. the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just round singing, especially for you, all the time. Uh, we have to tell him, Tina Turner, I have to tell him, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a nightmare on set. We don't need another hero. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. That, that was the B-side. <laughs> Absolutely. He offered, he offered to be a, a private dancer, but she turned him down. <laughs> it's a really strange song for their wedding anyway. Yeah. Let's move on, especially for you. It's rubbish. Um, <laughs> in, in at number seven, Crackers International EP by Erasure. Um, crackers, I presume, for Christmas? Christmas crackers? Oh, uh, I get it now. I wondered what that was all about. It was staring me <laughs> right in the face. Yes, that's meant to be snow on that on those branches, by the way. <laughs> looks like someone's had a watery-eyed Tom Hank on the branches. Oh, oh I get it now. I get it. I, uh, yeah, it's all becoming crystal clear now. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's their finest hour. I mean, Stop is one of the most recognisable songs, but I don't think it's particularly great. And the other three songs of, of the EP were particularly. Yeah, she won't uh, be home. It's not terrible. I don't mind it. It's a. It's an okay Christmas song. It's all right. I don't mind that. Does the does the Stop video? Loads of Andy Bell dancing shenanigans in that one. Yeah, he likes very that. Handy. That's his thing, though, isn't it? He's, That's he's his all over the place in that one. There's the bend. There's the shake. There's the shimmy. There's everything. All the oh, Andy Bell yes. trademarks are in that one. All Perfect. in there. He started it's Christmas. It's Christmas. I'm going to present you with a present of every little dancing trope I ever do. He's and clearly had a shandy or two when they recorded that video. Um, and he's gone or for two. it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And then uh, Vince Clark's headed to the Christmas tree, as we can see there. Um, in at number 22 is Good Life by Inner City. I didn't listen to this, but this is the one we know in it. Good life, good life, good, good life. life. Yeah, yeah. The one with good, good life in it. Yeah. Good life. yeah, and then there's Big good Fun. Life, so good life. <laughs> <laughs> big fun, big fun, good luck. I mean, they are two hit singles that uh, Inner City had, and they were pretty, we probably danced them at the pier or something, you know. Yes, we did. The, you know, <laughs> they are, Good Life is a particular classic. It's a bit, everybody knows it, and it, it sold yes. loads and loads of copies around Europe, et cetera, et cetera. But this, this, the actual, the guy behind uh, Inner City was a guy called Kevin Saunderson, who was one of the Belleville Three. Now, Belleville was a suburb of Detroit, and he grew up with uh, a couple of chaps, Derek May and Juan Atkins, and they mixed and DJed and had a radio show and were in out of the bars and the, the kind of the scene, and they were known as the Belleville Three. And in 1987-88, Virgin Records and a guy, Neil Rushton, asked them to put a compilation together, uh, and that mm. compilation was uh, made up of Detroit uh, music, and they were pottering around for the title of what this particular album would be. And Derek, the guy, Neil Rushton, said to Derek May, well, what do you think? We, it's not house music because house music comes out of Chicago. And that was more, say, hedonistic, more a bit harder, a bit uh, clubbier, a bit more about kind of hedonism. So uh, Derek May said, well, just call it techno because we're more interested in the technology. And voila, the genre was born. 
from oh. uh, that particular compilation, which was known as uh, Techno, uh, the new dance sound of Detroit, which had uh, uh, one of the inner city songs. And I think it might be this one. Oh. A little bit of truth. And know. from that, Techno took over the world and obviously right. reached its uh, peak with no limits. Techno, Techno, Techno with the lovely Maria <laughs> bouncing around. If that's, that's the peak of Techno, though. Just kill us all now. No, no, um, no, 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 Gary. No, 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 I like no, 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 Gary. It's a bit negative. Um, they went to number one in Finland, not the UK though, that song. Went to number four, top, reached the heights of number four in the UK. Uh, I, I didn't buy and it. And there is an amazing, amazing uh, house, a, re, a redux house version of this came out in, the, after, in 2000 and something or other, which featured on a whole bunch of um, sort of, I guess you'd call them garage house compilations at the time. But oh, yeah. um, a couple of, you know, the big DJs that were playing the big housey tracks at the time through Radio 1 and stuff, put this one on. There was another one um, called, um, I think it's I Love America, I think, but it's there's a couple of tracks and... Oh, it's a, the it's a classic. Became very, a classic big, very big. Yeah, it's, it is, it is. it's classic. It is one of the everyone knows it. You put yeah. it on, you bounce around to it. it. It's yep. it's good. You know, it's it's not about changing your life. It's just about just having a good time. So well yes. done, Paris Gray, and well done, Kevin Sordenson. Good vocal yeah. on it. Yeah, Paris Gray's well vocal is good on it. Well done. Well, well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Golf, golf clap. Golf clap. <laughs> yeah. uh, in at number twenty-three, straight behind Good Life, we have Fine Time by New Order. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like this. What's the what's the crap crap effects in this video? What's going on? That capsule? What's all that about? Rubbish. A new order have done some brilliant videos over the years, and this was one of them. No, um, and I think this is. I think it's a. It's from a particularly good album. I think this is the album where New Order peaked, which was Technique. Ooh, uh, ooh. And I think they 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 this was the they went basically New Order went to Ibiza in the late eighties. They got completely off their faces. Discovered, you know, they'd already. Actually, well, Bernard did. What Bernard did, and he was the driving force behind their dance stuff, which Pete Hook <laughs> hate, hated it, and that's why you have. Well, they'd, the, already, the, cl- they'd already kind of taken on board, like new. They went to New York in the early eighties, but they didn't go the full dance on dancey sort of thing. And you can hit through the mid eighties. It was still, all, you know, I think this has gone. Yeah, I don't like this period. Oh, I, I vanished the the album uh, technique vanishing point. I remember listening to it on John Peel. That is absolutely bloody brilliant. That's probably my favourite New Order song, which is on this album. But Fine Times, okay, it's it's not going to change your life or anything. I think <laughs> everything that came after this for New Order was downhill. I mean, yes. when when Hooky left, it, 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 it's 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 a bit of a. I think New Order are a bit like Kraftwerk, and they're, uh... they're just a tribute to themselves. You know, at this point in time nowadays. Mm. I, I wouldn't. I have no interest. I've, I've got all their albums post that, but I would never put them on. There's the one good song boring. on the, the, the. Was it the next album? The one came out about ninety two, ninety three. Republic. Um, Re- yeah, Republic. The one. Yeah, good they, track. The, 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 the regret, which is a great yeah, regret song. Regret is great. It, regret is very yeah, good. Yeah. There was a couple of good songs on uh, that album, uh, but you know, I, I think with Vanishing Point and. Uh, technique they that was their peak that was their everest and then everything else is just is sloping down to you know the lowlands of lincolnshire Ah, oh, crap <laughs> <laughs> anyway in at number 31 is born to be my baby by bon jovi i love this good track yeah, i track. love this song that chorus when it comes in it's just top draw jovi as far as i'm concerned top, top draw, draw jovi <laughs> that's going to be my draw, new catchphrase top, top, top draw oh look at that that's top draw jovi get in <laughs> top draw it. jovi <laughs> Oh, so you've got, got sing along Nan and Az at the beginning. Oh, you've oh, brought okay. chocolate eclairs. That's top draw, Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> top 
top drawer. Oh, um, <laughs> baseline, though, is very similar to Living on a Prayer in the verse, though. Um, yeah, same, I, I mean, it's bound to be, the, you know. The, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's that it's sounds very similar. Yeah. But that, when that chorus kicks in, it just builds up and, oh, I love it. Love it. It's ace. Good, good album, New Jersey. They can't really go wrong. Not for you, Gary, but no, you, you, you guys played this all the time when we used to sit around. I wouldn't say all the time. I think that's an exaggeration. Yeah, some, of the t- some of the time. Some of the, some time. Of the time. Okay, some of the time. Occasionally. <laughs> the thing with this song is I, I always forget this song when people ask me what are my favourite Bon Jovi tracks, which happens quite a lot, randomly down the street sometimes. Um, <laughs> but um, this uh, this is, put it right back in there, listening to it again for this. I've completely forgot about it. I love this song. People say the Good. same to me, but I, I don't I listen to it so often in my youth, I've forgotten what it sounded like. It's, yeah, I think that was the thing. But I was good to go back. I don't like the video though. The official video all the time. It's, it's dead. It's dead annoying when they're all talking through it, and there's the bits. It's Bon Jovi being Bon Jovi. That's like, right. it's just... in the studio, isn't it? Yeah. Total studio video made cheap, yeah. made on the cheap. I think, isn't it? Not happy about that. Uh, in at number forty, Christmas song. Thank you uh, slash us. Uh, Christmas song twinned with "Thank You for a Good Year" no. by Alexander O'Neill. That's, no, that sounds really. Oh, thanks for a good year. Like, did someone Terrible. give that higher? Oh, there were two songs that I, I only listened to Christmas yes. song. I didn't listen I, to the Thank You for a Good Year. It's I thought, bloody I, awful. in my mind, it was para, parenthesis. I thought, Thank You no, for a Good Year. No, was, I think oh, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's a double double A side. I think I'm double, double Alexander side. I've swerved a bullet. I'm sorry. I'm glad to say that. So I yeah, you did because it was rubbish. Because that Christmas song was just like. <laughs> That was like having glass forced up your anus, wasn't it? It was just <laughs> just really bad. It's not the review yeah. he was hoping for. <laughs> he's, he's usually quite smooth. That sounds a bit rough. Oh, God, we got yeah, this sorry. one review from this British guy. It says it's like having glass shoved up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Send him a bottle of cheap wine. Bloody um, limeys. <laughs> um, it sounded to me like um, the Thank You for a Good Year song sounds like a slowed down level 42 track. Which is never a good thing. No, no, no. no. The Glong no. will not be happy with that. And- uh, in number 44 is Buffalo Stance by Nana Cherry. It's uh. only it's only recently that I discovered that it was actually a cover of another song that Nana Cherry uh uh, sang on by these guys, that. Jamie J. Morgan and Cameron McVeigh with Nana Cherry. And the song was called Looking Good Diving with the Wild Bunch. Now, the Wild Bunch is a reference to a Bristol scene, which included Massive right. Attack. Uh, they were known, all were kind of known as the Wild Bunch. And obviously, okay. Nana Cherry was in and out of that particular group. And I remember this coming out, and I remember watching the video for this, and I'm, I remember thinking, Nana Cherry might be just the sexiest woman I've never met. <laughs> because I lived in Grimsby at that time, and she just seemed so otherworldly and confident and just attractive yeah. and just capable. And you know, she clearly knew what she was doing in the sense that she was in control of her own shit. So even now, 30, how many years later, 35 years later, I, th- I think it's still, it, it's produced by Tim Simonham from Bomb the Bass, uh, mm. which is why she goes, come on, Timmy, which is some kind of reference to Tim Simonham. But I think it's bloody brilliant. I love it. There's an extended 12-inch mix where the guitar break goes on for ages. And it, I, I love it. I know it's not got a universal appreciation in this house, uh, uh, but I think it's brilliant. And if Nana Cherry, she's still going. Uh, her daughter's now music, making music under the name Mabel. And um, I, I love it. Her, was it her daughter that we spoke about last week, the one who she was pregnant with? Because we spoke about if she was on top yeah, of the box. Yeah, yeah she's on top of the seven, box. Seven I, months pregnant. No, actually, I think this might be another daughter because this daughter at Mabel, I don't think, is older than like 22, 23. So ah, right. Okay. Probably, I mean, so I she bungee jumped with that one. Like on live TV during Top of the Pops. <laughs> that, got, that got less complaints, strangely enough. It's just, I never liked the bits where she talks in it where he goes, What are you like? Yeah, but that's that that what I found really sexy about that because I lived in Grimsby and everyone was a bit of a prat. And then there was this 
We'd just like you to apologise to most of the people. Of <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was this gorgeous black woman who just seemed just whatever. And obviously, you know, I was swooning a little bit. Yeah, she was she was very attractive lady. Very and still is. And still is, yeah. I have yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no argument there, but I just didn't like that parts of that track. Yeah, oh, well, it's I, all right. I, I love, I love it's it. Ca- it's catchy. It's catchy tune. But it's all right. What are you like? <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you never said it like that. In our case. Yeah, I'm, I am as well. Very, very glad. I don't think it got yeah. very high in the charts. Um, no. In at number fifty-two is "Don't Believe the Hype" by Mr. E. This was awful. Yeah. Awful. It's terrible, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm here to be the voice of dance music and so on and so on. But this, someone just threw some things together, and it, it was just a cash in to try and get. Yeah, you know, the acid house, summer of love type thing it, in the UK. Whatever it was, it was it crap. Was rubbish. It was it's, crap. However, it does have uh, now, and this this is an appreciation about uh, comes over over a certain time when you've used a lot of the hardware and you've used the software that can easily make dance music. Because nowadays you can get a laptop and make dance music in seconds. It's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yep. Uh-huh. Getting the old-fashioned hardware together and creating the, some of the hard lines and some of the synth lines that go into a track like that, as much as that's not a very good example of it, the actual hardware sounds are really, really nice in there because they're very hard to replicate digitally. Um, other than using a direct sample, if you don't use a direct sample and, and you're using some kind of analog hardware, there's nuances to that hardware and that sound that simply are not replicable unless you use hardware. And that makes those early tracks like that quite unique in the way that they're produced. That said, that isn't a very good song overall, but I really <laughs> dig the hardware. <laughs> yeah, the, the, you, you can like the, you know, the, the way that it was produced and stuff. And I, mm. I get that. I get that totally. You know, I just, it's a bit shameless, isn't it? It's just, just thrown... You know. It is, it's just, but it's you know, but it's also it's also a sort of showing you how the hardware is revolutionising dance, and that it's starting to become a bit easy to do, even at that point. Oh, absolutely, point. absolutely. I mean, you, you're making records for a couple of hundred quid nowadays in 1988. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, that's exactly. that was the beauty. I think of I think of uh, dance music in the late 80s over, say, the punk explosion. I think it was more democratic than yeah. indie music in the late 70s, early 80s, with post punk and post punk. Is that you didn't need a record label, you know. Let's let's you know. Sex Pistols were still on Virgin. All those punk bands were all being put on on majors. Uh, but nowadays, uh, at that point, they were just throwing white labels together, and yeah. they would become huge. And it was uh, to me, it was far more democratic uh, and quicker to get stuff out then. Um, exactly. And I think that that's the beauty of dance music is that well, that's you know, electronic how, um, music it gets it out there. That's how your sing- single got released, wasn't it? Your "Can I Borrow a Feeling"? Then you did that version of that. <laughs> Well, it charted, but you know, <laughs> in Albania, we don't we'll, want to talk about it. <laughs> we'll put the uh, we'll find a we'll find a copy of the cover of that and put it in the show notes for this, the speciality of that. <laughs> the brown sauce shivers. I thought you were going to say the brown sauce shimmy. The back, that's the backing band. <laughs> Gary Wilson, the brown sauce shivers. Can I borrow a feeling? There is actually a singer in America called Gary Wilson. People always send him in front of these album cover. Gary Wilson. It's not me, folks. It's not me. <laughs> yeah, because you're you went under the nom de plume Barry Baritone, as we all know. <laughs> it did. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In at number fifty-three, let's get the big guns out here. It's True Love by Shaking Stevens. Bloody awful. <laughs> it wasn't good, was it? Really? I, no, you know it's what? not. <laughs> How big does he look? <laughs> I had to grab a screen grab. That was funny. That was funny. He's been derezzed. I mean, goodness me, what's happened? His, his jump has made the lens explode. He's got like 10 layers on. He looks like the Michelin man. He's, he must be really cold in that studio. Because he's literally, he's, he's about 10 foot wide. 
It looks like a bauble. It looks like a Christmas bauble, doesn't it, hanging on the tree, a massive one. <laughs> and it's not a good song, is it, really? I mean, you know, no, Shaking Stevens is what it is. He's, he's having a bit of a comeback, isn't he? Hasn't he just released a song that's like F the Tories type thing and people are picking up on it? <laughs> yeah, he's got a new moment, song yeah. out. And, you know, he's out there still cracking. Getting, still shaking. Out. He's still shaking. <laughs> he's still shaking. Yeah. But this song was, that's that's this his song album. Was. It's got to be his album, surely. It's got still shaking. Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? Can't <laughs> stop it shaking. Yeah, and his compilation would be Shake and Bake, wouldn't it? Or Shake, Shake, Rattle and Roll or something. Or I don't really know. Uh, shaken to the core. <laughs> well, it's no. I mean, as I've noted here, this is no mistletoe and wine, is it? That's for sure. No, it's it's because he made he did his Christmas song. It's been out there, and you can never undo it, and he can't top it, can he? The you know the whatever it's called, the other Christmas song. In I there. can't remember what his Christmas song well, is. Gary, what's did he have a Christmas song? song? Oh, yeah, yeah Merry Christmas. Everyone. Oh, he did. Yeah, Merry yeah. Christmas. And he was doing. Yeah, I mean that is obviously that's his okay. Pension, Again, I don't mind that. It's become part of Christmas yearly. You, you've listen. clearly got a penchant for bloody Christmas songs. I do have a penchant for Christmas songs. Like crap ones, crap ones, yeah, crap ones. I think the thing is, it's because they put me in the the compilation album. They put me in the Christmas mood, so I like being in the Christmas mood. You know, well, yeah, because you can't rely on TV, as we said last last you know last time. You can't rely on TV. No, you can't. You've got jagged edge on TV to watch (laughs) on Christmas Eve. (laughs) What you watching? I'm just watching some man murder his wife in bed by the night, really harshly. Oh, Oh, Christmas. Put Shaking Stevens on. He looks like a giant bauble. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm in a bloody Christmas mood now. Get the sherry out. <laughs> exactly. That's Soft focus love. is ridiculous on that. I think it's ridiculous. just really low res, but it could be. But although it might not have been shot that that's way. That's how he is in reality. Know. That's the, if you see him. He, <laughs> well, it that's can't just be, how he well, appears. Well, you can't get a, a clear shot of him because he's always shaking. I was going to say that, that's that's why. Yeah, he's all shook up too much. He's the lens was shaking. just too slow for his shaking. And that's called yeah, exactly. He's yeah. shaking so fast. He's like an atom. We're just perpetually moving. <laughs> Blurring Stevens. <laughs> no aperture can catch him. <laughs> no, it's just a blur. That's why he's, uh, he's, he's perfect for arm robbery. Uh, <laughs> what did he look he like? In, I, can't, I can't tell you. It's like, like, like a red giant blur. <laughs> <laughs> Stevens, we know it's you. We just can't prove we know it. It's you. We can't prove it's you. Your fingerprints are all blurry and everything. <laughs> Merry Christmas as he shakes out the station. Um, in at number 54 is Love Never Dies by Belinda Carlisle. Mm. My love for Belinda will never die, but this song, that is song a bit boring. Yep. Oh, God, it was so dull. Boring. And the video, boring as well. Boring, just boring. What did they say was the other video she released for the last track? Did they just film a load of her songs at a concert she did? I think they must yeah. have done. Well, there was, the, there was a concert video. Well, actually, sorry, concert Laserdisc that came out, and that was on it because I remember it. It got heavy rotation in uh, in uh, in uh, Richard's house. There's one of our other friends. Oh yeah, particularly late <laughs> at night when he got into bed. Exactly. Yes, he was he was producing his own you know Christmas mistletoe <laughs> and such. Ended up like that cr- Crackers International cover. Um, <laughs> do you think that because of the looking at the last two videos that maybe they weren't because we had obviously Heaven's Place on Earth, but they weren't quite ready that she was going to be quite so popular, maybe. No, and I so, think that's a good point, actually. And so maybe it was doing like, oh, crap, get more singles out quick. Well, we've got the yeah. live video. Just stick that on. That'll do. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. That She became, you know, very big very quickly. Because was this in Circles in the Sand, wasn't there? Yeah, good video, which though, were, that one. Which would be. Yeah, I mean, I think they, when she did, was the album Runaway Horses was, was the next one, wasn't it? And yeah. I think they obviously put a lot more money into that. So there's, there's, the budget, I think, a lot of the time they make all the videos, but they know all the singles. 
and they make them all within the space of a week. And then obviously yeah. they get released over the course of 18 months, whatever. Yeah. So that's probably what they did. Yeah. So it's- She was especially popular in the UK as well. Mm. Which some of these are, some of these acts sometimes are like that. Aren't she was they? very she was popular, really popular with me, I can say that. Very <laughs> she was popular with Gary's gym socks. <laughs> sure. well, Got through about six <laughs> packs a week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sorry about that. You, you damn near rubbed the Nike logos off the edge. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're hemorrhaging listeners. Um, <laughs> and at number 61 is Requiem by the London Boys. Do you know what? I actually really like this song. I remember yeah. my mum yeah. played I, the I London don't. Boys for some bizarre reason quite a bit. And I haven't listened to it for like 20, 30 years. And actually, when I listened to it again the other day, those little happy faces they've got in the video. I mean, they certainly know. look happy. Yes, they do look and happy. It is, it's a high energy track that like yeah. came out of the gay clubs and crossed over into the mainstream. And they had two big songs, I think. I can't remember what the other one was. The other was, wasn't the other one? Um, no, it's London Nights and the Party London, Nights and, and the Demon Drive. It's the same track. It's the same track with Change yeah, the Lyrics. Yeah. And they were all like that. And I, lo- I love a bit of high energy, you know, um, you've always enjoyed it in a very low energy way but yeah <laughs> oh i love yeah, high energy man. i love high energy the whole kind of you know my wife says i'm a gay man in a straight man's body type business who said and that who says that <laughs> my wife did wow well, it's not your birthday card or something <laughs> christmas card no, so cake. I, I love a bit it's of a high really energy. big cake <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you've always loved your high energy i love a bit of high energy you know when you look back at you know, my musical choices. A lot of them come from like house came out of gay clubs and uh, obviously did. so did Requiem by the London boys. And it's a shame that they had to die in a car crash really, wasn't it? In 96. Yes. Um, including tragedy. one of the, there was five people killed in the car crash, a wife of one of them uh, oh, and uh, the other driver who was a drunk driver and uh, some other fella. So yeah. Yeah. I, I presume he was drink. He was drunk while driving, not a drunk driver. Because then it would have been a bit foolish to get in the car with him if that was his reputation. Yeah, the, the guy who slammed into them was the drunk driver. Oh, right, oh, okay. Tragedy. Yeah, the, it right, was okay, in, in the Alps somewhere in Austria or something. And, um, yeah, so that's yeah. why we haven't heard it much from them anyway. But anyway, we'll always have the memories, guys. Always, always have the yes. camp high-energy tracks. I, I love the dancing. I, I didn't remember dancing. this at all. You don't remember, <laughs> remember it. My bloody mother had it all the time. She's, they are stock and a woman, aren't they? Produced, I think, these guys. Uh, probably. Don't know. More than likely. I think More they are likely. only because uh, they sort of got a reputation, didn't they, for um, uh, the appropriation of gay culture and, and music into they the mainstream. Yeah, so Stock Aiken Walton did, yeah, because of things like Dead or Alive and, and they sort of high energy their way into... In fact, a lot of the early hits were high-energy They tracks. were, yeah. I mean, Hazel That's Dean and yeah. a lot of their, their stuff is basically camp. It's high-energy yeah. inflected. Exactly. Probably did that. Stock Aiken and Walton, you know, they knew what they were doing. But then again, they weren't alone, you know. You can track back lots of lineages back to the gay clubs, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, you know, they just hit the chart heavily with everything at this time. They did, yeah. Uh, number 78, a little bit different, Radio Radio by Spear of Destiny. No surprise I like this, because I like this period yeah. of Spear of Destiny. Jeery G- punk crap, of course you do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Great chorus. Really uplifting chorus. Don't know what you're on about. I, d- I, d- I didn't really, I, you know, I, like I said before, we said about Spear of Destiny, I like the wheel, and that's probably about it. And um, I, I, I don't know. I don't. This song just washed over me like nothing. It's all right. I, I mean, I, I like this, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think punky stuff for those that like the punky stuff. He's still yeah. going, isn't he? What's his name? Kirk, uh, Kirk, 
Kurt Brandon. Kurt Brandon. Yeah, he's still yeah. going. He's still touring. He is. And so good luck to him. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Not good luck to this person. Now, number 87 is My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. Awful. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, when I watched the video and my YouTube came up with the lyrics on it, and I kind of realised that the song was about him telling everyone he's going to be an arsehole and they yeah, can just yeah. put up with it. I, yeah. I never really clicked on that. The whole bloody song. And obviously that transplanted itself into his real life. So he was obviously a scumbag of a man. Yep. Let's say yep. no more about him. Yep. yep. Uh, 11th of December, in at number 10 is The Angel of Harlem by U2. Ooh, this song. <laughs> All those horns. As soon as those horns came in, I'm out. I'm out. It, it, it's, I hadn't listened to this for a while and it's not my favourite U2. I only really, you know, this, that, that period I wasn't too keen, but, you know, I didn't realise it was so uh, influenced by Stax Vol and that kind of Memphis sound and, you know, the, the music of the Deep South. And, and yep. It's, it, it's heavily influenced. Uh, yeah. And, and I like a good, I love Stax Vol. I prefer Stax Vol as a label uh, over Motown, but, yeah, this was a bit boring, wasn't it? Yeah, really yes. boring. It's an awful cacophony of dreary warbling and preached stuff. <laughs> would be my review. Um, <laughs> and I don't like I don't like ones where it because it borrows you know the horns of the dip 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 dip. dip. It's them kind of horns all the way through. It's like just credit the songs that you've ripped them off. You bloody ripoffs. There's yeah. a lot of better songs out there that use that kind of sound better than this. Awful. Yeah, it's it's trudging into what we've been saying about like bland core stuff with its horn stabby horns. Yes. Yes. So, not for me. In at number 43 is Yeah, 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 Yeah by the Pogues. I'm not, I, I didn't like this, but I, what you noted here, Gary, actually struck a chord. Precursor to UK indie pop in early 90s, like Ocean Colour Scene. I but, was quite surprised at that, and I've not, yeah. not heard an awful lot of. Uh, so was Shane McGowan. It also reminded <laughs> me of, as I noted here, Primal Screams Rocks. Yeah, I, the whole kind of like early, it prefigured a lot of that kind of early 90s indie, indie stuff, which was quite surprising. And, you know, we always think of the Pogues of the Christmas song. Absolutely. So on, so like um, but this, yeah, no, it wasn't terrible. It was just kind of an, you know, it's okay. But yeah. um, not going to change your life or anything, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your catchphrase for the podcast? <laughs> it's, the say, it's not life-changing. Um <laughs> Didn't like it, Graham? Uh, no. The thing with the Pogues is um, that the, this isn't really the direction I suspect the Pogues really want to be. They're an, a really <coughs> no. odd band for that. Um, mm. And so this just is, you know, I think at this point they've pretty much given up on anything that will make money and hire a goddamn dentist. Because um, <laughs> uh, obviously Shane McGowan, the front man at this point, his teeth look like an abandoned cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's just how God made him. <laughs> no, he's not. It's just how Sherry made him. Or... Yeah, well, uh, you know, he's obviously got problems, and you know, and several of them. Yeah. But he's still it, around, though, isn't he? He's still yeah, alive. yeah, yeah. He I mean, he's, he's been himself into a, no. He's, he was really he was crazy. sober and then drunk and sober and then drunk and. At know, least it, you know. At least he's real. You know, let, even if this was a crap interlude of their career, you've got to give respect to the Pogues for doing. I lump him in doing. the same yeah. bracket as what's his what's his face from the fall, Marky Smith. Smith. Yeah. Yeah, the sort of yeah, similar I, I, trouble. I, I, I always not not musically, I, but that that kind yeah, of I, I get doing, that. I get yeah. that. And I think I always preferred the idea of Marky Smith in the fall to the reality. And I guess well, that's ev- a everyone like, did. Yeah, the, <laughs> to me with the Pogues, even Marky Smith did. Number fifty-one is "Rhythm Is Gonna Get You" by the Gloria by the Gloria Estefan by sorry Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine. 
Yeah. I mean, everyone knows this song, don't they? It's another one of those songs that's yes. Everybody knows this. This was often on at your house when we went around because your mum liked oh, it. My mum had it, and I can still see the front cover of the, C- of the CD. Yeah. And that I, video. Everybody knows this song, but I, I, watching it again, I thought it was just really, really crap. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. Too, there's too many men in vest giving fist bumps at the start for me. There is I a just lot like, of that. Oh, just, just, oh, every time it cuts, like some man in the vest going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, go, I'm done. I don't want to watch any more men in fist bumping in vests. If you slow that track down, it sounds, and I did, so it's not like I haven't. <laughs> and I'm not just saying this. This set sounds like dub be good to me. If you slow well, maybe it down. that's where Norman Cook got his idea from. It's, it's uncanny how it sounds, in fact, yeah. I would say. Right, I, you know, I, I'm a white guy from Grimsby. I'm, you know, <laughs> Gloria Estefan <laughs> and the <laughs> shimmying, you know, kind of. <laughs> 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 when I go to the clubs, I want a 4-4 beat. This is all too complicated for me. It's, it's, it's way too, you know, kind of Latino. There's too many beats. There's too many beats. I, I yeah. can't shake my bum. Like they're doing it in the video, I just can't well, do it. Yeah, because you're not shaking because, Stevens. You know, Only shaking Stevens yeah. can dance to this. <laughs> Maybe that's the new single. We should pair Shaky with Gloria. Shaky no, and that should never, never be happened. Gloria no, Stefan cannot, happen. and Shaking Stevens cannot. It'd be like in Ghostbusters with the gatekeeper and the keymaster. It's, it can't be. It can't happen. <laughs> it can't happen. We'd release Goza. <laughs> yeah, and nobody wants that. The rhythm will definitely get you then. It would be. Uh, in at number 60 is Tied Up by Yellow. I mean, uh, uh, Yellow, one of my favourite bands of all time. They're just suitably yes, they kind of um, Wacky. Uh, ironic heroes of mine in the sense that I, I've been listening to them forever since I was at, capable of buying CDs and albums. And I'm still, everything that they did up until about 91, 92 is just fantastic. And this this song is from their album, Baby. And Again, though, you know, it's a kind of a Latino. A lot of that whole album is kind of Latino and kind of samba based and more kind of eclectic. And yeah, yeah I, I think at the end of the day, it's an interesting video and uh, it's an interesting <laughs> I that, song. I think the word you're looking for there is cheap, Gary. And an interesting. <laughs> it was cheap. <laughs> it was cheap. It was cheap. Yeah. Even, even, but... even Dieter shocked at your. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think your you know, cheap can be good sometimes. You know, yes, money can't I, buy you everything. I, I didn't say it wasn't good. I just said it was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> the song rightfully has a good place. In, and it's in, it's, it's in a lot of movies of that time. Yellow appear in quite a lot of movies, especially John Hughes movies all over the shop, really. Yeah. I think I first became pretty aware of him in that uh, Secret of My Success. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're in that. That's all over the place in that, that track. In it. Is it the race that's in that all the time? Is it the race that's in that yeah. one? Or? There's loads remember. of them in John so, Hughes movies all the way through. It, There's mean, a feature famous heavy. scene in um, Ferris Bueller's that uses yes. it, yeah. And also in Pain Strange Automobiles, of course. Like yeah, that's that. I Love You, I think, yeah. Yeah, yes. and I just wondered, actually, Gary, what you thought of the most recent Yellow Jean-Michel Jarre track that came out. I haven't actually heard it. Well, goodness me. You said you had everything by Yellow, you <laughs> liar. Get out and never come back. Absolutely. Don't come back until you've redeemed yourself. Well, I probably have heard it, actually, because was it off one of his – he did two albums with of collaboration. His, yes, it's the collaboration yes, album. I've, it's, I've, it's the one with Brick England, on which he did with um, Pet Shop Yeah, I've probably heard it. I can't remember it, but he did – I love the idea. Of Jean- I think it's What's Up, Where and Why or something like that. Don't quote me on that, I, but that's something like I, that. What was fantastic about those albums, and they weren't brilliant albums, but Jean-Michel Jarre just went for a bit of a wander. He yes. just wandered around the UK, France, America, just recording with people like Moby, Chemical Brothers. He did. Uh, and all kinds of oddballs. And uh, well, good luck to him. Good yeah. if you can do that. Yeah. Nice. nice. 
Good for him. Good old Yummy Yell Yeah. Yummy Yell Yeah. Yummy Yell Yeah. Yummy Yell Yeah. And that was Jello. Um, in at number 71 is <laughs> Baby Don't Forget My Number by Millie Vanilli. Um, I think they forgot the song, didn't they? It, <laughs> yes. It, it, it's just, there's nothing just, to it. No, it's dreadful. Awful. It's, it, I, I just don't get it. Love is Stronger Than Thunder. And they force rhyme that with obviously number. It was like. Technically, it uh, doesn't. Well, no, it doesn't. No, I know it doesn't, but they'd, they'd sing it anyway to just to try and shoehorn a rhyme in in some Euro. They could have got. They style. could have gone for the uh, you know the uh, Gloria Estefan crossover and used the word rumba <laughs> somehow. You know that would have at least that rhymes with number rumba. Oh. Yeah, rumba. God, it, was, it was bad. It was Go bad. For a Mario Beep, crossover with a gumba. Get my number. <laughs> Repeat, repeat. Oh, God, that was, uh, I'm we sure that was Millie Vanilli. for whatever that noise was. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> Millie, uh, Millie Vanilli broke. I mean, we talked about Millie Vanilli before, didn't we? That the yeah. fake band um, yeah. Yeah, put yeah. together Bony by M. producer, type producer Fabio. And it's a load of old crap, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that particularly is, yeah. Number 86, John Ketley, a, John Ketley sorry, is a weatherman by a tribe of Toph. I principally remember this song because of the barge. Yeah, yeah, it was pub. played a lot. But I mean, I mean, I went and watched the video for this. They made this video on this yeah, TV I show. It, yeah. And they were only 18. I mean, they're just a bunch of 18-year-olds that just got up. And I think for a bunch of 18-year-olds, this, you know, this is bad, really. You know? I, said, I said it's like a, a sort of knockdown British end of the world as we know it by R.E.M. It's just a list of people. I also got the lyric, Richard Keyes has got no knees, which made me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> I don't know why. I quite, I, I like this. I, I don't mind this. I think it's a fun little whatever it's it is. Terrible. I think it's, 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 it's kind of like set up as one of those songs that we all know. Yeah, and it's clearly it's one aimed hit at, wonder. exactly aimed at the British one-hit wonder, you know, the yeah. inevitable British one-hit wonder market. You you imagine that they get like seventy two pence a month in Spotify fees? Exactly, or but <laughs> John so, Ketley. Good luck to them. John Ketley, yeah, he hates it. He hates, he hates it. it, does he? That's because he he's a curmudgeon. Song, yeah. Oh, what a miserable yeah, bastard! He wrote yeah. uh, an entire article on how much he hates it and how he hopes that the a small force tornado happens upon all of the people that were in that <laughs> band and that. It whisks them off to another world. No, I'm just. I, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a, a long read. He didn't say any of that really at all. Just paraphrasing. <laughs> paraphrasing. I'll, I'll put a link to his website it. in, in, to, in you know, in compensation for that. We'll put a link to his website, which there is. I'll put a link to that. John Ketley's got a website. John Ketley's got yeah. a website. John Ketley's got a website. <laughs> so is Michael Fish. <laughs> there you go. So, so easy to do this. John Ketley's got a website. John Ketley's got a website. John Ketley's got a website. It's not quite yeah. so easy, is it, Gary? It's, it's not quite so easy. I'd also, you know, told you before, no more singing. No. Give me five minutes, I'll have, I'll have a hit. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, but I do remember good times in the barge for that with that song. Exactly. Very good times. Because uh, it was paired with, uh, what's his face? Jill John, isn't it? That was the other one. That well, yeah, that, in my mind, they're, they're actually. And Jilted John is actually bloody brilliant. Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. It is bloody Very brilliant. Very good. Yes. Um, 18th of December, in at number 36, was Evening Falls by Enya. Yeah. I don't understand why this was released as a single. Why would you buy You would just buy the album, surely. I mean, Water surely you just, could just say that about everything. Yeah, I All get that. But why would you do it? No one, no one is going to sit there and go, I'm going to put the seven inch of Evening Falls. Well, people think it got to number 36. Well, evidently, yeah. But it's just weird. I just don't get it. I mean, just go and buy the album and get another nine tracks. It's weird and I don't get it is the prevailing thought of most of Enya's output, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, Like, you know, know, Enya has something of a cult following around the world and she's made her fortune. And good luck to her, you know, with her whimsical little... And I actually quite like Enya. I've got quite a lot of her albums and stuff. You would do. You know, it's... But you can do that about any artist. Yeah, <laughs> to be I, 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 I just I, I like Enya, 
And I particularly like, I remember, the, I think was it you, Graham? We went to watch the green card um, with Gerard Dapadu. Yes, we and did. Andy Mattel. And there's a lot of Enya in that film. And there I is. rewatched a bit of the green card the other day and it, and it's actually really good. Yeah, it's like, like we said last time we spoke about Enya. I mean, firstly, yeah, I can see why it would appeal to you because there's no lyrics you have to remember, is there? So it's just straightforward sound <laughs> sound effects, really. <laughs> Secondly, I mean, I get it. She's she's you know a very innovative woman in in that particular time doing you know good womany stuff in the ind- in an industry that was predominantly dominated by not women. Um, and I get the the clever producer writer thing because she is apparently a very adept technician, musical technician. So that's all good, but. I think the problem is that she, a lot of the tracks that she became quite famous for are the ones that have haunted her forever. And if she's never really got to shake them out, you know, the Sail Away and the, Bo- the Boudicca and stuff, she's just never shook those. So people will go, oh, yeah, and, you know, that, remember that Boudicca? And there's albums. I think she's done loads of albums. but She has done loads of albums. But yeah. I mean, nobody will yeah, remember her for those albums. They'll remember Orinoco her for, you know, Flow is, or Orinoco is, Flow, yeah, or whatever. It's crap. It's, it is one of the worst things she's put out. It's not yeah, but that's but what she's a, remembered for, though, isn't it? Yeah, well... Yeah, I, I, but you know, there's a lot. If you dive in a bit further, you can find some better. Well, stuff. you can, you know what? And she would have told you, you know, more than you know, Gary, if only you spoke her vetoes. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's that's actually going by an Enya album in uh, Havitos. You won't know that, Gary. You don't speak that. You language. don't speak Havitos. <laughs> You don't speak uh, like we do, uh, like you, like what we do. You just speak Hovis. <laughs> this this yes. has completely just lost me, lost me completely. Exactly, because you, you don't understand Hovitos. You speak Hovitos. It's connected. Surely you realise this now. Uh, oh. <laughs> in at number 54 is Soulmate by the Wee Papa Girl Rappers. Boring. Uh, it was boring, and we've spoke about the Wee Papa yeah. Girl Rappers before, and they're, they're yeah. great. Well, fair play to them, but this was a single Crap. too far. Boring. Um, in at number fifty-seven is "Love Like a River" by Climby Fisher. Um, I know I could. I, this sounded like a Belinda Carlisle song. I thought I could imagine Belinda Carlisle singing this. Don't they all? Well, maybe. I think there's a lot of cross similarity, but this one in particular, I think if I put Belinda Carlisle's voice on it, it's quite rocky in it in for a Climby yeah, Fisher track. Maybe. Totally it didn't do anything for me. I I was quite surprised. I love um, love, love changes. changes. Yeah, it's great brilliant. Song. It's a great brilliant. song. Yes, and this was just. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be good. Oh, God, I'm losing no. the will to live. It's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realise that one of them is dead, obviously. Oh, uh, died of cancer at the end of the 90s. Like the spinal tap. <laughs> He's dead. He's dead. They're dead. Dead, yeah. They're dead. dead. <laughs> he died. <laughs> Did you know that one of the one of the climbers uh, uh, wrote the George Michael Aretha song, I Knew You Were Waiting For Me? Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that, no. Which Did one? You, I'm you sure. Did it climb Before he Fisher. died, obviously. I'll tell you who it is. It was Simon Fisher. Ooh, get him. Get him. Well, there you go. Um, so Ooh, no more. Dear. Or him uh, go. Uh, and at number 93 is Man in the Moon by Voice of the Beehive. Mm. This was a bit bland, wasn't it? It was yeah. so boring. In- interesting group. Not a very interesting song. No, no, no. I, I try to find something interesting about this group and this song, and I literally, I, I couldn't. I'm sorry. No, yeah, curious. Um, uh, Finds ran out this week. Number ninety-eight, the runner by Jack ja- yeah, by Yanama. 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 Do you know? I, I know this track, and I when I listened to it, I remember it kind of came back to me. It's obviously a kind of a new agey instrumental thing that Jan Hammer became famous for because Jan Hammer was actually quite a proficient musician. He was been around since the early seventies playing with the Mahavishna orchestra and various kind of super groups and stuff uh and one of the tracks that uh jan hammer played on uh with 
uh, Jeff Beck was the theme music to the tube. Which, huh. um, well, fancy that. Yeah, to know it, if you hear it, you'll know what it is. Um, but this was all right. It's like background porno music, isn't it? Well, you you linked to the milk advert with Bob Geldof, who who um, which I completely forgotten. But when as soon as I watched that video, I was like, oh, I recognise that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I as soon as I heard it, I'm like, and, and I, milk advert. Yeah, and as, when I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah. And then that line, what he says at the end, you must be right, shattered or whatever. At the end, I yeah, remember, yeah, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I recognise that guy when he comes off his milk, like, oh yeah, what are you doing, mate? Get yeah. off my milk. Oh, you're. Oh. He goes, yeah, right, shattered. Milk gives you bottle. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> gives milk gives you bottle. Yeah, yeah, gives you bottle. Here's your bottle. Um, it's better than sounded... get bottled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Better than get milked. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I thought this sounded like a crap Bruce Hornsby song without the singing and meatballs. Yeah, the singing I and agree meatballs. with that. Yeah. yeah, Bruce Hornsby is a band full of meatball heads. <laughs> yeah, if you've not been listening to the podcast, we've discovered uh, that anyone Bruce who listens Hornsby to the, the podcast would know this, Gary. This is <laughs> yeah. terrible. We know that um, Bruce Hornsby and the Rangers just made up by a, a team of people whose heads look like meatballs. Yeah, meatball uh, heads. I yeah. can show you the pictures to prove it. Is this the last one? No, we've got two left. 25th of December, there was a chart. Obviously, some people released singles this week. Uh, in at number 76 is Tender Hands by Christa Berg. Crispy Burger. <laughs> I don't think he's got tender hands. I, I, I think I, he's got what, two I've hands got, like everyone else. I think I've got a bit of a soft spot for Crispy Burger. He's got hands you need to put an offer in for. <laughs> I'll put a tender in for him. I'll tender. Th- I'll tender. What's your tender? <laughs> I quite liked it, I have to say. I, 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 I liked it. And then when I watched the video, and it cracked me up because they had this gorgeous woman kind of pottering around the flat, getting ready or whatever. And then she notices the TV and Christy Berg is on the TV and she's like, oh, my God, Christy Berg is on the telly. And then she's getting dressed. And for some reason, she pulls water over her head and obviously to kind of glisten Wash up the cleavage type business. And <laughs> Did you say anyway, to glisten up? <laughs> glisten <laughs> glisten <laughs> up. Glisten what? up, meatball. <laughs> just well, to kind like, of give I that like kind a, of I feel like a bit effect. of a glisten. I'll just pour a bucket of water off my head. <laughs> what kind of crazy woman would pour water over her head? <laughs> so I was, I was watching they all do it to glisten up, Graham. I'm sure I'm surprised your wife doesn't do that. Washing her hair aside, yeah, she never does anything other than glisten up. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got this gorgeous young woman in her probably like mid twenties, and then I'm thinking, don't get together with with Crispy Berg. Must be about fifty at this point. And they only bloody got went, and then she did. She hooked up with Christy Berg in the restaurant at the end. I can't. I was in absolute apoplexy. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> just popular couldn't guy. Believe it. It's a, just a pop, she was holding just a pop. hands, those tender hands, just, with Krista Berg. Just a pop video. This gorgeous Gary. young woman is dating Krista Berg. It's just a pop video. What's going on? You know, yeah. what did you feel like when you watched, um, you know, Uptown Girl by uh, what's Chris, face? Krista Brinkley? <laughs> yeah, no. Krista Brinkley and uh, Billy Joel. You must have been like, well, that's fair enough. Must have popped. Yeah, but you know that <laughs> wasn't his head. Literally, vaguely, yeah. vaguely talented, so, and is you know kind of vaguely attractive in that kind of hey, kind of like Italian looking, isn't he? You know, nuance, exactly. monks, kind of Italian guy. You know what I mean? And Jesus. but Christopher <laughs> with his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, his eyebrows. No, no self-respecting young, attractive woman is going to hook up with Chris well, and his lady red, eyebrows. The lady in red did. The story about the lady in red eventually came out that apparently it wasn't for his wife, it was for someone else, allegedly. Mm. Whatever. He's got massive eyebrows and they're stupid. <laughs> and he looks, I've corrected you, he doesn't like a shadmuck, he looks like a maddie. Yes, yes, yeah, he's definitely on that chart, that's bloody for sure. <laughs> on the, but um, I have to say, I actually quite like the song in the end. <laughs> Oh, no, it's, it's dreary song, and do you know? Oh, I liked it. The idea, Gary, the view, and now we've entertained far more of this with you looking at TV with pop women on, 
<laughs> this is explains why all of your socks had holes on the sides. <laughs> Um, in at number 89, finally, just to round up the month, uh, this is Acid by Morris. Acid! Maurice. Maurice. This is uh, one of Chicago's finest. I've always loved this track. Uh, yes. The track that, that charted was a remix that was a bit noisy. It was a bit kind of full of samples and a bit kind of, it just, I don't think it really, really worked. But the classic uh, This Is Acid single, the American version, is uh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, way better. Uh, I remember, way, way better. I remember taping it off John Peel in 88. Uh, I remember thinking, my God, what is this? And it is a very good example of Chicago uh, house. I would have thought the same thing, but with different intonation. My God, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It was good. It is good. That's a very good my, track. Original. Not my cup of Tetley. No, no, I know it's not. I know it's not, yeah. There we go. That's it. Uh, that's the singles. That went on quite well, actually, longer than I thought. That was the, that's the singles for December 1988. We're going to go take a quick break. Thank you, Gary. For joining us, you got any last words you wish to uh, say about the singles for Christmas uh, '98? No, this is sorry, '88, mostly... sorry, 1998, Yeah, but the, it wasn't a classic month, was it? Not no. really. No, not much going on there. Crispy Burger. Um, right, yeah. So we're going to go take a quick break. We'll say goodbye to Gary because he's not reviewing the games with us. Um, we'll be back. I think we've got four more games still to get through. So uh, if you please stick around, we'll get through them in a bit. <laughs> Dynam on course. I'm almost there, ready to deliver David Hearn's books, including Back in Time for a Donut and The Case of the Notorious Roboticist, to a bookstore near you. Let's just bypass Tag and... Oi! Where's that copy of Escape from the Commodore 64 you promised me? Dave's latest book. Ah, oh, not you again. I thought I lost you outside Gamma 5. Hey, did you just fire at my ship? I've got some conflict damage. I'll give you conflict. Looks like your Nova Drive is shot. Literally. Tragic, that. Computer says I'm on a collision course with Targ. Options? You can crash into Targ, and it just so happens I'm also the mayor, so straight to prison for you, or you can give over that last copy of Dave's latest book. Yeah, in exchange for what? Hmm, let me see. Aha! I've got a spare Nova Drive back here. How about that? Oh, okay, I can't do mercenary again. The deal. Dave's latest book, Escape from the Commodore 64, is all yours. There. Oh, I love the cover. There's Paradroid, Impossible Mission, and Law of the West. Get your own copy. You're not having mine at davidhernwriter.com. Can I ask a quick question, though? How would you keep me in a prison that only has lines for walls? And we are back. Hope you enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun, um, always is with Mr. Wilson. We've got four more games still to get through, Graham, so let's crack straight into them. And you have the pleasure of being uh, of becoming Captain Blood. What's that like? Captain Blood. This was from Infograms, copyright Infograms. Um, it was produced by ERE Informatique, which is a team of people, scenario was written by Philippe Ulrich, the software and graphics by Didier Bouchon. The music was Jean-Michel Jarre in every version but this one. But we'll put his <laughs> name on anyway. Yeah. The C64 adaptation was Francois Lyonnais and the extra graphics were Michel Rowe. It's a quiet team that's assembled there of, of people. So there's a little bit of a story arc to this, which I'll sort of prissy. Um, it got 77% in Zap this it was a 995 i think disc version they reviewed disc version that we had yeah um, i don't know that it ever came out on tape i can't see how it would work really but anyway good no um so in the game this is a bit strange this because it says in the zap review bob morlock 
is also known as Captain Blood, but it says in the actual game instructions that no one knew his real name. <laughs> I think they just made it up. So I don't know where they got that from. Anyway, so Bob Morlock, also known as Captain Blood, that was his kind of computer network alter ego. I think Neo, the Matrix, and you're not far off. Uh, so mm-hmm. Captain Blood wanted to create the ultimate video game, one that was massive in scope and had a mind of its own, and so set about doing so, being bored of all the other games that were out, all the shoot 'em ups and all the dull ones. He programmed the world, I would say universe, I would say I would use the word universe, not the word world, but okay, of Hydra. Hail Hydra. <laughs> and filled this world or universe with a shed load of planets, 14 unique intergalactic races, each with their own language and social systems, etc. Uh, and handily, something called the UPCOM, which is the Universal Protocol of Communication Device, which I'll cover a little bit. So, And that allows a system of communication to exist between other species using icons, good old friendly icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only that, the captain added hyperspace as a way to travel between systems with a space warp. In the middle of that, he finally added a hero. Every good game needs a hero. Um, who he named Captain Blood, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the game was ready, everything set, hits the run button, and pop, something goes wrong. Things didn't go quite according to plan, and Captain Blood ended up being sucked into the world of Hydra, Tron style. He was now the Captain Blood of the game, and worse still, the transfer process, which, by the way, works perfectly with oranges, um, split his genetic code <laughs> into five clones and scattered them around the universe of Hydra. Now, with your withered body and sitting inside a spaceship, you're hovering over the planet of Corpo One, looking for Andanyanti. I don't know what that all means, but that's what you do. No one does. Why are you withered? I heard you ask. Well, the impact of the genetic code being cloned and shattered is clear. You are slowly running out of precious fluid, and you need to find the five clones, store them in your frigidarium, or fridge, as I like to call that, um, and eventually reassemble yourself within the time limit, because otherwise your ship gradually replaces your whittling, wailing body parts, your failing parts, with robotronics. And so eventually you will be turned completely tech, and you will be a techno person, and will be a human whatever you are no longer so the plan search through the 32,768 planets on your hunt for your clones or information leading to the location of the clones to do this you must use your power and capabilities of the oryx that's o-o-r-x-x which are landing craft you can use these to check into planets looking for any intelligent life which you can then use the UPCOM with to communicate. If they know anything, they might be inclined to give you location coordinates of a planet with life on it, or otherwise maybe there's a clone there. Otherwise, if you don't use this system and get the coordinates off people, it's eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and that ain't going to work very long. I'll tell you, it won't work very well. No. So you're against the clock, and the mission is vast and challenging. So that's the ten- essentially the game. Okay. The game is played out over a number of screens and kind of mini-games, I suppose, mini-sequences, hopefully leading to the coordinates or indeed a clone. Um, get all the clones before the time runs out, and you'll win. The initial action of your spaceship is controlled by a single view with your coordinates in the UI at the top. A view window of the nearest planet underneath that and a display panel uh, interface at the bottom, which has a series of buttons and options that will light up according to which you have at the time on any given screen. Normally there's six options, but they can vary in which ones you can select depending on what you're doing. From here, you can choose to activate the landing OORX, the Oryx. You can press the planet destruct activator to destroy the planet completely. Or you can use the geophoto vision to check the planet for any missile placements and zoom in. Or you can even use your galaxy sort of navigator if you want to go and sort of zoom somewhere else and hyperspace somewhere else. I wouldn't recommend that you do that, though, initially. You'll probably want to blow up a planet, which, you you know, you will do that because everyone does it this game. And you have to do it carefully because, A, if you've got anything you need, that's trouble is you've obviously just blown it up. And, B, they're permanently gone. So if you blow a planet up in this game, it is gone. And that's it. So if there was anything useful, say one of your clones, you've just sealed your own fate. Mm-hmm. thing I will recommend if you're going to play this, do not blow up the first planet. 
that you're in front of because that is inhabited and you will need to land on that in order to speak to some somebody or some creature to get the next coordinates. If you don't do that, you're playing uh, Galaxy Roulette, I'm afraid, <laughs> after that. So when you start the game, the planet nearest you is inhabited so you can start your mission to get the coordinates for the next place and begin the quest. So launching one of your unlimited supply of orcs means you enter the flying landing section of the game here. The view changes to a 3D-ish not dissimilar to those early LucasArts games, sort of view of flying and navigating a landscape on the search for a landing site. It's not as good as those, and it's in a smaller window, but it's kind of that kind of looks of, uh, I guess it's kind of landscape view, if you're ish. You've got a crosshairs, so you can change the and redirect your course. You can speed up with the joystick controls and slow down, and you can sort of maneuver yourself-ish through the sort of caverns that you're meant to do. It's a bit weird, and it feels like a bit uncontrolled, and it's a little bit hit and miss, really, that. Anyway, um, so once you've got set down the bottom of that, once you go through, and the levels seem to go on for ages sometimes as well, mm-hmm. um, you'll find a landing site. When you land, you will be taken to an area where you'll find somebody to communicate with, hopefully, or nothing. There might be nothing there, but on the first one, you will find somebody to communicate with, and then that will appear, and then you get to use the fantastic upcom device. So sometimes the when you're trying to speak to the creatures, they will try and communicate with you. Sometimes it, it's a bit like broken. So the, the range of icons appears and you click the little mouth button and then it will translate the icons into a kind of a semi-sentence for you. And the, the sentences kind of make sense-ish, but they're in broken English. So, you know, me friendly question mark, are you friendly and me scared spaceship, that, that kind of thing you can sort of get. And eventually you've got to try and talk them into giving you something, either a hopefully a set of coordinates or maybe even a direction to where the next clone or they might find a clone. So you're on a, you're on a hunt for clues, really. So like I said, sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're not. Depends on the species and how far you get into the game. Sometimes they try and give you tricks and send you on wild goose chases, which you don't need in this. But the idea is that you present, you can talk to them by selecting from a range of icon tiles, which represent words, and then you piece these together to form sentences. And so you can sort of start to formulate a, a sentence with them. Mm-hmm. Hovering over them reveals the English, uh, which I chose at the start of the game, by the way, you choose your language for this out of French, English, and I think German. But either way, obviously it highlights the words, and then you can piece together to get a sense of a conversation and the tone when you respond with the right icons. There is a full guide to all of the icon icons and the instructions. Hopefully the coordinates will eventually lead you to something more useful than what I got half the time, which was a proposal for marriage on these two occasions, which was a bit <laughs> weird. Anyway, once you've done that and you get the coordinates, you can go back to your spaceship and then you can navigate using the galaxy map. The galaxy map is where you can na- essentially navigate between the worlds and the places in the game and you use coordinates. Now, they are XY coordinates and, well, space is generally known for having more than two dimensions, I would say. So it's a bit weird that you use XY in a place that's predominantly XYZ. Mm-hmm. And it's actually XYZ and time as well is, is you know, but never mind all that. We're, we're playing on the 2D plane here. Um, so I'll let that go. Anyway, as you move your withered pointy finger around, coordinates will light up. And obviously you can then hyper jump to these and then you go through the same landing, checking process randomly, checking on this thing, avoiding missiles if they're fired at you that kind of thing it, it, it doesn't vary from generally those sort of screens and um, so that's really what the game is that kind of quest find a planet land on the planet if it's landable blow it up if you want to but land on it and look for your clone if it's there or at least get the coordinates to somewhere else there where there might be a clone and it's that repeat so that's the game finding the hammer planet speak to the locals get info and hopefully find your clones before you get turned into a robot that's it the game graphics vary a lot with this in the especially in the c64 version they're obviously not as good as the 16-bit versions it was quite well known on the 60 on the amiga and the st this is one of those games that everyone kind of looks up and went, ooh, pretty. And there are some nice details on the C64 one. The UI is quite nice looking. The details on the planet and the universe view are quite good in the way that it's played out. 
It's not as good as the 16-bit one, but it isn't that bad. It gets a bit less detailed on the planets, though. It starts to get bitty there, and the graphics get worse. And when you're sort of talking to the aliens, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. A bit smudgy. Mm-hmm. And the interfacing of the aliens with the upcom very quickly frustrates with joystick control, which is one of the big problems with this game. The screens on the spaceship are the, probably the best ones. It does have a nice feel. But it is, again, let down by the joystick control. Which it, And this is a game that's not really configured for joystick control point and click. This is clearly configured for mouse control, Mm -hmm. and it suffers massively because of that. It makes the selection parts of the game tiresome. So moving point around and clicking on the buttons on the day, because it moves a little bit too quick with the joystick and it's too responsive, you tend to overshoot what you're trying to click on all the time, let alone the selection of the icon tiles for using the upcom, which is a really frustrating experience because you keep overshooting them, you can't find the right one, you've got to scroll all the way to the left and all the way to the right in this big long row of tiles. I'm sure there would have been a much better way of, of creating a communication system like that. And a load of other games have done it better. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you just use a little word wheel or something to keep it simple, it would have been way better to use the joystick as a control of something that you go through options with, a menu options, as opposed to moving a mouse around with all your options on the screen. That's great for a mouse, not so good for joystick, and it suffers in this game. So I found that was a real big problem for me with this. The music is okay. It's nothing amazing, though. And none of the John michel Jarre stuff's here. It's um, it's all on the 16-bit stuff. It uses a, it's basically Zulook on the Amiga and ST version, but it's yeah. not here at all. It's this weird squeaky thing. I don't know. The sound effects are less obvious. Leaves a lot of the game audio in this. You don't have this. It's speech and everything on the Amiga and the, and the ST version. In this, none of that's here, so it's quite silent which is quite atmosphere killing. It doesn't It feel like it's got a very ethereal sci-fi atmosphere or anything like that without those background sounds. At the end of all this, it's a 16-bit deport, really, this, and it shows. It's an okay attempt at its heart, I guess, and the story is pretty interesting in, it, in of itself, but the lack of a mouse control for this, it hurts this version massively, massively, massively. As does the lack of atmosphere. What you end up with is something that is a bit over-weird, quirky and odd-looking, interesting in that way, I suppose, and a good, if daunting, mission, but all feels a tad clumpy with that horrible joystick control. Nice ideas here. Each play of the game is unique as well, as the locations of the clones of the planets, etc., all move around every time you restart the game. So every game is unique, which is a nice thing. So playing this, you'd need to keep an extensive notes, and you can save the progress of the game you're on, um, so you can reload that one, but if you die, then that game's dead. And you've got to start again and then you need to do a new save. So it's all is not lost, but I don't know. Is there enough here to keep you interested in this 8-bit version? Or will you just end up blowing up a couple of planets to see that effect and then bouncing right off the game? I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, pretty much the same. It's a strange one, isn't it, Captain Blood? And it's one I always more associate with the Amiga. I'm sure we, yeah, we totally. I'm sure you had it. I did have it. I played I played it quite a lot of it on the Amiga. Yeah, we play, I'm sure we. I played it as well at your house quite a lot. Because again, it was like, ooh, it's that hand that's pretty, in it? And we didn't really and know blow, what we were we doing. We blew the planets. Yeah, we yeah, blew we the planets. Yeah, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. We just clicked around a bit, like the graphics, and I think we just turned it off and then played to my K+. But it was one of those games that yeah. I associate with the Amiga, and certainly not on the C64. I don't I didn't even know. Obviously, it's disc only, and so I've never seen it. And as you said, the control method, it's not as bad as some we've seen. But you know when you're converting a mouse to a joystick, but you can still tell it's not it's not, it's not how it's meant to be. It's not. No, you no, can no. just feel it. And one of the main and it's you know one of the main draws of the Amiga version, the visuals, they're taking quite the hit here. Some of them are all right. The planet landing yeah. is okay. In, you know if you squint a little bit and things like that. But the the alien graphics and things like that, the, and the the landing stuff is like weird. The weird. It looks odd. So yeah, I, I found it hard to say much about this. It just feels like a pointless downport. It's like oh. Just get it on every machine. It's yeah, not built true. for an 8-bit machine. Put it on an 8-bit machine. Okay. But, it, you know, I guess if you like eclectic French video games, it might be.
might be worth a look, but you know, it's not certainly this isn't the definitive version of this oddity, that's for sure. So it's it's the Amiga version. Just go play the Amiga version, which you can do very easily these days if you really yeah. want to play Captain Blood. This is not the yeah. version. I can't recommend it. As a you got seventy seven percent, maybe I suppose if all you had was a Commodore sixty four and a disc drive at the time, you might get some enjoyment out of this weirdness but it is very strange and i mean it's 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 better than that what was the other crappy one with loads of things explorer i mean it's better than that that that. kind of nonsense and stuff like that but it's still in that area and it's like thirty two thousand planets great how many of them are actually useful 50 okay so as you said needle in a haystack type stuff and you will blow that first planet up and then you're screwed is always a bit of a downer but you know yeah and I, i didn't like figuring out sentence structures for aliens when you're having to scroll all those things across to find different words and there's so many of them and trying to remember what what you were saying what you wanted and there's like because he was saying oh me like you said me scared spaceship and i was looking for don't be scared or something or something like well don't he's fine but there wasn't piecing together the dialogue's a pain in it what what am i supposed to tell him i was like oh, yeah no so no uh, it, captain blood was always one i remember as playing and coming away from it exactly the same going oh we have no yeah, idea pretty. what we're doing yeah, we have no idea what we're doing, and it's the same now. No. There we go. Same on the C64, except uglier. Captain Blood, there we go. Strange one. Let's move along. And our next one is another budget title. It is Street Gang. Street Gang. This was £2. Now, this is odd. This was originally released in Germany, um, I'm presuming at full price, in 1987 by Time Warp Productions. And for okay. some unknown reason, players have decided... Who would play as the budget label? Did we find out? Would they play it? Would they the budget label of somebody, we said? Mm, I can't remember. I can't remember now. Anyway, they've decided to bring this over here at the arse end of 1988 and foist this budget travesty upon us. So the original release told the story of Mickey, who lived a boring life until his parents upped sticks and moved to New York. Here, Mickey encountered the street gangs and decided he wanted to join them. But in order to do so, he had to make his way across town and cut the beloved tuft of hair from the notorious Curl's head. That's that's that was the that was the original story. However, in making it across the English Random. Channel or the North Sea, I'm not sure which, whichever route they took, the story has become something much different. But this is from the inlay of the new box, the players one. No one is safe on the streets. New York City has been overrun by gangs of crack-crazed punks, malicious thugs and horrible hoods. The notorious Curl, feared leader of the most vicious gang, has decreed that no man or woman will cross his east side district of the city without being mugged. You take on the role of Mickey Spatsberg, ex-New York City cop, brain surgeon and vigilante street fighter. You must travel to the east side to save the life of a small child who desperately requires surgery. Using your skills in armed and unarmed combat, you must fight your way across the crime-ridden streets of New York through the roughest, toughest ghettos, construction sites. Your construction sites usually dead rough. <laughs> or they just where builders work to build stuff. Warehouses and the infamous Central Park, populated by bin-dwelling, drug-crazed, acid-house T-shirt-clad punks, private dicks, and hired bad men. Something took a turn for the... Uh, how weird the uh, the strange when it when it hit budget label but that's the story we've got here anyway this was produced by mark a ulrich and armin gessert i recognize that name coded by armin gessert and aunt nolt graphics by boris kunkel and michael groch and music by george brand and christoph bergman according to lemon 64 although christoph bergman is not actually credited in the game itself 
The title screen has the credits for the game and the title in a wavy high score table if you leave it long enough. There's not much here, so pressing the fire button tells us to get ready for level one. Now, with a name like Street Gang and the title screen and the cover, which shows kind of a, you know, Hudson, not a very great title screen. It's a bit, it's an odd title cover of this one. I was kind of expecting maybe a sort of an early version of Renegade, like a belt scroller type. Because it mm. kind of has that kind of feel about it, okay? Yeah. But I guess, you know, knowing that it actually came out over a year earlier, hoping for one of them was a bit much. So instead, what we actually have here is a Kung Fu Master knockoff. It is. And a very poor one at that. So our hero comes running on from the left, past what looks like a British pub. Um, mm. It's got a pub sign outside. It looks like a British pub. This doesn't like New York. Very common in downtown New York, British pubs. At the top is your health, represented by a deflating bicep. Like a dog shit. <laughs> well... Yeah, but it's a deflating bicep. You also get the name of the game, your score, and the number of lives. And this is the one thing I actually did like. I do like the way these come running on from the right when yeah, you start. I quite like they come bit. running on um, from the right, stand in line. Except that when they face the player, the silhouettes make them look like Cylons. Too, yeah. So it's kind of weird. But the rest of the screen, um, about three quarters, is taken up with the right left to right scrolling action. Our hero, Mickey, is clad in a pair of pink trousers. I'm going to say trousers, and he's not naked from the waist down. Because it could quite, it could be either. He's got a red jumper and brown specs, and doesn't look like your typical action hero or Mickey Spatzberg, brain surgeon, ex-cop, and vigilante street fighter, as we are supposed to now be. He looks more like the original Mickey, who just went there and wants to go and cut kills here. So yes, that's what he is. As you start, dudes in bright green tracksuits come from either side, and you have to punch them before they hit you. Should they hit you, your bicep deflates, and if it goes flat, you explode and lose a life, and you must start again from the start of the level, which is annoying. Sometimes opponents in brown coats will appear and shoot you dead instantly with no warning and no real way of getting out of the way of the bullet because the bullets move too fast. Also, enemies pop up from bins to shoot you as well and they that bullet moves too fast and you'll instantly die. You only have one move to deal with this, which is a punch. There's no kick, it's just a punch. But some, enemy, some enemies in that first level will drop a spray and you can pick that up and use that instead. It says, use the spray. <laughs> like spray, spray. It's just the same as the punch, except with less reach. Stupid. Um, and that's about it. There's nothing to this game. It's stupidly difficult, and death is only a man in a brown coat away at any one time. And then it's back to the beginning of the level every bloody time. The only redeeming feature of this game is the music, which is excellent throughout. It's really good. I really like the music in this, but that's it. The graphics are blocky and a bit of a joke. The gameplay is wrote Kung Fu Master, only nowhere near as good or enjoyable. The backgrounds are ugly. The whole thing feels somewhere in the middle of Kung Fu Master and Street Hassle, I thought, in kind of tone and play game ways. It's that. It's that kind of thing, but nowhere near as good as either of those. And I didn't particularly like Street Hassle as well back when we played that. Even at budget price, this is a bad game. There's not much to say about this. It's, it, I didn't get very far in it because it's stupid. There's only four levels. You wander along. I don't know what the other levels are like. I didn't care enough to go find them. It's boring. It's stupid. It's crap. The gameplay is nothing. You, your bicep just deflates. You just get shot and you're done and you go back to the beginning. I was very frustrated very quickly and I didn't want to play this very long. Interestingly, Armin Gessert, obviously not too long after making this, goes on to make Guyana Sisters. It's that. So the effort here isn't all wasted, I guess. But bringing it over to the UK at this point was indeed a very big waste of time. I don't know why. Mm. Play- I don't know why players have done it. You know, maybe trading on his name or something. People might know, but it's crap. This is awful. It's it's a really really crap kung fu master clone, and uh, you know, just avoid because this is rubbish. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, what's to like about it really? The music was good, and there's a weird remix thing in there on the mm. I mean, tiles. So if you press the keys one to eight, you can do a some kind of remix yeah. thing. I don't know. So it's, it's quite interesting. Scratch but- the titles tune. It's yeah. a multi-load as well, bizarrely. It is. Yeah, it's an odd multi-load as well, and it's, it loads in while you it loads it in, and then loads the next level in, and so it does some yeah, weird stuff. So, yeah, so, so it's so it's and this so there's obviously some you know 
there's a version that's been converted here because the tape version would have done that as well. Uh, but anyway, but all aside, um, the game's crap, isn't it? Really? Yes. Yeah, very much um, so. I mean, it's just a very, very, very naff Kung Fu Master with none of the good stuff in it. No. Really naff graphics, you know, really bad backgrounds. Nothing's good. Players sort of flutter on and their walk cycles are really odd. They sort, mm-hmm. of, they sort of prance more than run, I guess. I don't know. It's all felt a bit stupid. Yep. Your fighting is neither has impact nor any kind of feeling. It's just, you know, it's just puffs of smoke, you know, abracadabra puff of smoke kind of stuff. Plays terribly, really badly blocky backgrounds as well. And again, crappy main sprites and enemies, really lumpy controls. Everything feels like it has no impact. Indeed, this game has no impact other than, you know, you'll feel like you've just been hit with a dog shit, which is ironically on the screen <laughs> on the top left-hand corner to display your strength. So as the dog shit deflates, so does your sense of well-being when you play this game. Two quid for this is a rip-off. Even at two quid, it's not very good. Um, no. This is bound to be in the list of games your granny got you that you don't want, you know, you don't want to thank her for. In a long time since we thought about that, but this is one of those. Um, yeah. Not very good. Not very good. This is adding nothing to the side-scrolling fighting game canon. It's no, it's, shite, it, so. it's too it's too late because this obviously feels like, you know, we didn't get the original over here. So this would be a new release, nope. it would feel like, but it's two years old and it's two years out of date. It would be crap in the beginning of 1987 as a McCunkey exactly. the clone. Utter crap. Avoid. Avoid. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Street gang. No, bad, bad thing. Let's move along. Let's run away from that street gang. And maybe get into a car and, and drive cross country, maybe. And maybe that might be better because, Graham, we're going Overlander. We do. 46%. Oh, oh dear. Oh. £9.99. <laughs> ah. Ooh. Published by Elite. Concept Simon Cook. Coded by Richard Underhill. Fletch uses Richard Underhill's credit card, doesn't he, in the film Fletch? Um, <laughs> I wonder if he knows about it. <laughs> graphics, Pete Tattersall. Title screen was Paul Walker. Obviously not the same Paul Walker that was in Fast and Furious. And the musician <laughs> is Mark Cooksey. You know, the elite musician, Matt Cooksey. Yeah. So this is really, this is a, a I'm not even call it a homage. This is a, a wannabe road blasters. This wants to be road yeah. blasters so bad that it, that it really isn't. It just wants to be road blasters. It also wants to be Mad Max. It borrows so much thought yeah. process from Mad Max. It's basically ridiculous anyway. So you know, whether it's road blasters or Mad Max, it, I guess in this story, the world has been scorched because of the overuse of aerosols and it's damage to the ozone layer. Mm, and while this was, and yeah, and still is a real fact, and it led to the banning of CSEs inside of aerosols, didn't really you know, have any bearing on the uh, the global frying of sort of thing that happens in this game. Anyway, that didn't happen in reality, but it did in this game, which is set, by the way, in 2025, which seems oddly prescient. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, the last anyway, summer. yeah, it's funny. It's only a couple of years away now, really. So Earth is now like Death Valley, dry scorched soil no trees or vegetation to speak of radiation from the sun thanks to the ozone depletion has caused severe damage to the atmosphere both breathable and party and so the, the people moved underground like they always do they always go underground don't they we live underground don't go underground yeah still you know it's, it's not it's not nice under there indeed vast subterranean cities evolved though oddly isolated from each other bum, 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 bum. <gasps> the only remaining link between the cities is the old freeways or motorways as we called them which are ruled by gangs and outcasts known as surface dwellers. The only people brave enough to attempt to travel between cities are the overlanders. What is an overlander, I hear you ask? Well, think Mad Max. They're loners that drive around in a customised pre-apocalyptic car, making a living by running cargo for cash across the surface dweller zones. 
They live for cash because cash means more car parts. And what do car parts mean? Prizes. Really. Yay. <laughs> and that means we're heading dangerously close to IP infringement at any point in time. And when you arrive at the next place, they say, nice to see you, to see you. <laughs> exactly. This could have tipped into Mad Max infringement any point. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> tipped into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. So the game then. You start by choosing if you want to run a federation or criminal mission. So you've got two choices. The criminal missions have more of a reward but carry more risk and they're more difficult. And the Federation ones have a less reward and are less challenging. Principally, they play out the same way, though. Once you've chosen that, you whiz to the section to add fuel to your vehicle. I was able to add fuel, but not reduce the fuel I added, which was really odd and annoying. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. After that, you can spend some money on upgrades for your car. Again, you can only scroll down, not up. And that is also (laughs) stupid and annoying. Really annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Really stupid. (laughs) There's a whole load of upgrades as well. So if you happen to go past the part where you start the game, you've got to go all the way through them again, which is stupid and, and annoying. annoying yep anyway so i so said there's another bunch of upgrades you can get you can buy the upgrades once you've collected enough money but you won't have enough money at this point because you'll have used too much on your fuel and you won't have any left for anything anyway if, no, you if, if you're like me so you start the race so you start the game and once you've chosen your know, extra bits if you've got any and as a note by the way i thought since the distance between places is both arbitrary and not indicated anywhere so there's no way you can know how much fuel is too much fuel. No. And it makes a point of saying in the instructions, don't fill it with too much fuel because that's a waste. It's like, well, But you've got no way of knowing because it doesn't nope. say this place could be between 30 and 60 fuels away. The fuel is just a bar on a thing that you can't go down from. You can only fill up. You can't, can't empty. You can only fill. Stupid. Uh-huh. Anyway, after that, you hit the road once you've done all that. And you presented with the main game window at the top of top is the obligatory logo, of course. And that is your current score, money and level in quite a nice text font, all being said. Under that is your road view. Brown hills and mountains in the background. They're back. The deep, dark mountains of brown. Um, so you're always you know, driving towards the brown hill, which is you know, a way of saying you need a shit through most of this, I think, really. Oh, can we stop the car driving towards the brown hill? I can't write brown hill going on here. Um, anyway, um, so, and of course, so the brown hills are in the, macro, in the background. The grey road, though, is in the middle with an hour obligatory red and white striped road edging, of course. Of course, it's got that. Mm-hmm. It's a good job they do that in the future, you know, in the future where they always make sure you know the edges of the roads. Yeah, absolutely. Important. Yeah. So nothing unusual there. Upon this is your car. Replace cat looked- size with them, you see. <laughs> well, yeah, because cat- keep cat size going. Um, upon the road is obviously your car, which is meant to look like a, some kind of supercharged V8, but it didn't look like that. It looked more like an old Citroen or an Austin Ambassador Y-Reg. Um, <laughs> under that is your overlarge UI, indicating your fuel, speed, RPH, and any extras that you have picked up, which are indicated by little lights and things if you have them. You control all of this with your joystick in the usual way, so up is speed up, fire shoots a bullet, and left and right controls the direction. The road does bend in the way that always bends in these games, so it's a very bendy road as usual with the car suffering from that sort of skidding to the left or right when such bends occur. Mm-hmm. And the road itself is festooned with stuff to thwart your mission, including other gang cars. There's little things that you hit. There's there's just stuff on the road that you've got to avoid. You can shoot some of it with your one bullet that you can fire from seemingly the front of your car, uh-huh. but it doesn't really shoot a lot. And it also doesn't blow anything up other than really sort of simple things. So, And you will at some point encounter this car that just keeps nudging you off the side of the road, yeah. which is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you, I mean, to avoid it, just slow down and it just goes ahead of you and drives off. But it's just really stupid. Yep. So like I said, then that's the game. You're driving down the, the road, bendy road, trying to not die, not hit stuff, not get knocked off the road or anything like that. And if you get that and win the race or get to the end, um, you will get the reward. You can then go buy more stuff for your car and take on another challenge. And so it goes on and you know, race, finish, deliver, get paid, upgrade, repeat. That, that is the game. 
I didn't think the music was too bad in this, all said and done. Passable, I suppose. And the look and feel of the pre-game parts, I thought were all right. So the parts pre the actual gameplay, so choosing your stuff, the look and feel of those parts, as much as it's stupid annoying that you can't reduce your fuel or push up at those points, for reasons I can't even think of. Apart from that, the, the beginning part where the car drives on and the, the look and feel of that, it actually leads, the actual look of the Overlander logo and everything looks quite nice. Also, this is a, I think this is a deport, another deport from the 16-bit versions, so they look very similar, but obviously they've got the graphic anti up a little bit again, as usual. The problem here isn't the graphics of the interface. It's when you get to the game itself. The game is dull, really featureless and dull. You are again driving down the long grey road on towards Brownsville, encountering stupid stuff along the way that you can actually either easily avoid. Um, there's no real feeling of speed or acceleration. Even if you get the turbo charge on this and press turbo, it doesn't feel like you t- tear off across the desert, you know, deserted, scorched earth. Conveniently, this scorched earth didn't actually equate to the roads, which look perfectly tarmacked and well-maintained. I know. I don't know who's filling those potholes in. Exactly. So this game just feels like it's got all the premise, but none of the none of the grit, none of the things that make these games what they are. Um, and so you, it's just a dull race game and not only a very good one of those. It feels like there's no imperative with this game. There's no push to get the upgrades. There's no reason to be. There's no reason to be doing what you're doing. If there was a wider arc that you needed to collect a certain amount of things to free a prisoner or bribe way out of a situation or something Mad Maxi even where there was a, a huge tank of fuel that was surrounded by Lord Humongous and all of his gang or some <laughs> equivalent of Lord Humongous, you know, Lord Mighty Big or something like that or whatever they might call it. <laughs> but there's none of that. So there's no imperative to do anything in this game. There's, there's no grand mission. It's just be an overlander and do overlandery stuff. And that just isn't very good. Add to that the graphics in the game, which are very boring racer game look and there's nothing really fancy about that. Well, Fiori Road it ain't for me um, and I didn't like it. But what about you? It's more like Bland Lane. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's another Road Blasters type knockoff, isn't it? And another not very yeah. good game. It's just a really bland 3D effect, floaty controls, and just not very enjoyable. I thought the music was dull. The graphics are okay, but they only use up a really small part of the screen. Yep. Like, there's about... Interface is massive. <laughs> interface at the bottom is half the screen. Title yeah. and stuff at the top, you've got, what, maybe a third, if that, a quarter of the screen Not is even the that. Rate it. Yeah. I'd say it's just over a quarter, isn't it? So. Yeah. And although they've tried to add some new stuff with the upgrades and the like, they don't, they're, they're pointless and stupid because, like, like you said, how much fuel do I need? Yeah. And once you, you don't know that, because the first time I didn't get in, I, didn't, I bought, I put a little bit of fuel in and then bought some weapons. And then I just ran out of fuel. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I didn't know how much I needed. Yeah, exactly. So, Stupid. Ridiculous. So, yeah, it feels pointless. There's nothing much to do. For full price, you know, I'd be very unhappy if I got bought this or got it for Christmas at this point. Yeah. No, they, yeah, yeah. They, they keep trying, they, you know, they, they're trying to do these 3D, I mean, it's a 3D spy hunter, isn't it, when it comes down to it? That's what it is. Yeah. It's a 3D yeah. spy hunter. They keep trying to do this, but they're just not getting it right. None of them have got it right. This just continues that trend. It's just bland and uninteresting. As you said, yep. bland lane. And Fury Road Overlanders. It just, you know, it also, it's, I mean, this kind of game has been done better. I mean, I would rather go play Great American Cross Country Road Race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a better racing game. It was a perfect, more but a better racing game. Yeah. Yeah. And did better stuff and was more enjoyable. I always used to enjoy that. But this, yeah. this, when you, when you introduce shooting, I want that shooting to feel shooty. Good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. Explosive. And here it's just not, it's just pee, yeah, pee. It's another, it's another, yeah, it's another pep, pep. Yeah, and it's an, what was the other one we saw the other week? Was it Road Blasters? Where was it Road Blasters? Where you have to pull down and press fire to use your spe- yeah, special weapon? Because this has got the same control so. system, hasn't it? Yeah. And that's stupid again. Down in a racing game? Nope. No, 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 no. Up and up and fire. Maybe yep. better. 
don't well, know. They didn't quite get the controls right with joystick in this one, did they? Goodness. No, certainly didn't. No. I mean, the car, the car visual was quite nice. I quite like the car, and its graphics were quite nice, and the bikes and stuff. They're, they're all right. The sprite work is quite good in it, but that's about it. That's about it, really. Yeah, there we go. Overlander, not particularly very good. Uh, we've got one more left, so let's get to it. And that last one is Sidroid. This is another budget one, two ninety nine. It's got sixty percent. It's another budget release, Graham, from Zeppelin Games. Ooh. Zeppelin two ninety nine. It keeps Scott Williams's fascination with droids going, as he made okay. this, and he also made the game Droids before this. Not the crap Star Wars one, the other one we played a while back. I remember it. But that yeah, sort of really grey one where you're going up and down ladders and stuff. And this next game on the Atari ST will be Robots with a Z. Yeah. He certainly, had a, he certainly had a thing for them. They're metal people type things. He did. That's for sure. Droids, side droids, and robots. Anyway. Anyway, yes. He made it, and Adam Gilmore did the music. Yay. I think we've heard other stuff from him on Zeppelin Games. I think he did the yeah, other stuff. He did um, Traconis and. Yeah, load, that load sort of, of stuff, yeah. The story on this is that a large spaceship, a dreadnought no less, is heading to Earth carrying a pulse bomb because the Earth needs it. Don't say why. Fair enough. Don't say why. It just needs it. We need a pulse bomb. All right. We need it. <laughs> Problem is that you, a droid on the ship, have lost the bomb. <laughs> droid, uh, you've lost the bomb. N- never um, trust a droid with a bomb. <laughs> with a bomb. And you need to get it back or it's the end of the world as we know it. And I do not feel fine about that. No. Um, the game kicks off with a very nice title screen. I really like the title screen on this. It's got a great logo. It changes color. Some nice presentation yeah, on the front end on this. It's got a high score table and some spacey effects in the background. Sort of a mm. droid bouncing up and down as well. Some nice stuff for it. Decent enough tune as well. I really like the music. Good. Makes good. a good first impression for a budget title, that's for sure. There's no options. Uh, no options, sorry. So pressing the fire button gets us going and presented with a thick flick screen collect em up. Again, first impressions are pretty good. The graphics are decent with big, slightly chunky, but well-shaded sprites on your droid and the enemy droids that beetle about. The background platforms are well done. They've got like weird sort of coiled effect around them, which works quite well, but it looks nice. Yeah. This has a nice visual style, similar to what we saw in Slayer and that kind of, that, yeah. that sort of same sort of budget, above average budget graphical level. There's a nice visual style yeah. to this. Uh, yeah, so they're well done. Nice cold effect. And there's a, a decent multi-speed star field in the background as well, which, yeah. which looked quite good as well. But it did make me feel that the ship is made entirely of glass. <laughs> True. Um, maybe it is. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, but who cares? It looks pretty good. Whatever. It looks nice. This has got a good, good look to it. Control for this is simple enough. We'll come to some of the control stuff in a minute. But it's simple enough in that you move left and right, up is jump, and fire shoots out a boomerang type of energy that kills enemy droids, and then it returns to you. That's what it is. There are a number of podules. 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 Scattered about the levels that you must collect in order to progress through the game. These come in different colours, and thank you to Lost 8-Bit Caverns, on YouTube, who had noted them down in his long play as to what they were, because uh, I couldn't find any instructions for this. I looked and looked, and this is, seems to be a bit of a forgotten budget title. There's very little on about this on the internet. So he put a list of them, or they put a list of them, so thank you for that. That's cool. So the yellow podules give you points. The blue ones give you a 23-second invincibility. 23 seconds, that's really precise. Um, The red ones clear the screen of enemies, the purple ones give you full energy, and the green ones give you a temporary ball weapon when you fire instead of the boomerang. Also dotted about the levels are teleporters, which you will need to use to navigate the level because you've only got sections of the level that are accessible. You use 
teleports to go to a different part of it. And there are also pods that when you go move over them, you hold down the fire button, they house like a strange mini game in which you must shoot descending rods that come down sort of tip by tip. Um, and you've got to sort of knock them all back and last a certain amount of time in order to gain energy and plasma power or something. It's a, it's a weird it's a weird thing. This, you know, I'm not quite sure because I, I said I didn't have the instructions sort of thing, so I may do as well as I could. But something where it said you've gained power, plasma power well, okay, that's cool. The UI at the Everybody. bottom of the screen shows your energy remaining, which is reduced with contact with the enemy droids, who I guess are enemies because they're pissed off with you for losing the bomb. I mean, you're all droids on the same ship. Why would they want to kill you? I mean, they want to surely want you to find the bomb. It also shows your score. It shows the high score and the number of podules left on the level to collect. It's a nice UI, actually, because it has inf- it's nothing but information. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good energy score high score how much you got left to do that's it it's all you need in it it's all you need you don't need a logo you don't i don't need to know the year i don't need to know any of things it tells me what all i need to know it's good now all this may sound okay and it is but the control method is one of those bouncing affairs where your droid is constantly bouncing and does not stand still it's not cauldron too bad which is i, I think that's worse i don't like cauldron too. but we've played others like this and it's just as annoying here there was something else we played recently as well where you're bouncing about you bounce about you try and stop and turn and you end up falling off a ledge because you've bounced and you you can't turn until you've hit the floor and you've move at a certain pace and you fall off and you bounce and you're trying to get around to you you try and jump up to a ledge but you bounce off and you got to go around again and line up again and you you're pressing up and you're waiting for to land to actually think you speed up and do the bounce and it's oh it's annoying if you fail you, you will it starts to get infuriating quite quickly because it's one of those control systems i don't know why they do these control systems i don't understand it it's really oh, no. annoying because it's and and it gets infuriating because because the enemies are smaller than you so when you fire out your boomerang, because you're bouncing, the boomerang follows you on the same on the y-axis, so it moves up and down with you mm. as it fires across. So it generally goes ahead above the head of the uh, droids in front of you, and then comes back over them. So they just come back and walking into you, and you lose energy. You're like I'm trying to shoot you, but you can't because they're too low. Um, so that's really annoying. Yeah, I don't know. It's that boomerang flat plane. If I'm shooting something in this droid, I should be able to kill them. It's not simple. You know, I don't care where the boomerang comes out of, but it should be. It should hit the enemies in front of me. I'm not asking for too much. Just asking yeah. for that. That's all I'm asking yeah. for. You know, that's what it is. There's a lot of screens here to navigate and podules to collect. There was loads on the first level. There's eight. Is there eight levels? I think you've got to get through. I think it's eight levels. Yeah, um, and so like for, for and so for three quid, aside from that control mechanism, you get around it. It's all it's it's very polished and it's really well made. There's no problems with it. It's bug free. I didn't run into any bugs. The only bug I found was I think part of the crack that was weirdly broken. I think that you had to press the opposite to actually get the enemies to appear. There was a broken. Yeah, there was yeah. a bit of a broken crack, and it took me a few goes to get it right. And I was like, right, okay, I can get the game in now. Because the first time I played it, there were no enemies. I was like. Oh, this yeah. is really peaceful, <laughs> but that's not how you're supposed to play it. So it was the fault of the crack. Once I got it up and running pro- properly, there's no thing. There is a problem as well in that you shoot enemies, they reappear three seconds later. They just yeah. reappear, which is that's frustrating and annoying. It's really so when you actually are playing this properly, it's really hard. So although it's very well polished, it's, made, it's stupidly hard, and there are problems with it. It's a probably a mapper's delight. I'm sure a mapper, you know, those kind of we've said this it's a while since we've used that, but this is definitely a mapper's delight. One for sure, especially mapping where all the teleports take you and going back and forth. Yeah. And, yeah, all the yeah, little yeah. levels because they're all sort of joined but not joined so you've got to sort of work out which teleport takes you to where and how and where it, you know yeah, yeah. sort of things like that but as i said it's too hard and you find yourself running out of energy not because of you and not because of your lack of control but because of fighting against that control system all the time and not being able to actually kill the things in front of you and them coming back so damn quickly so that's a problem if you can persevere with that 
you may get some enjoyment out of it, but I found myself bouncing off this one <laughs> quite quickly, if you will pardon that pun. Yeah, this could have been all right if they'd have sorted that control system out because I think it looks and sounds really nice, but it just controls like a pain in the ass, which is a bit of a shame. But that's what I thought about Sidroid. What about you? Yeah, not too far off the same, really. Nice graphics, nice shading. They've got that look, haven't they? You know, the look that we spoke about before, they've got mm-hmm. a... So and it and it isn't a bad look for these games. It, you know, it, it does mean that the sprite work is quite nice. The main sprite quite large, but quite well realised. That, that the look of the game all good uh, and the sound. Of course, the music is as you say very good in this. Not bad at all. Adam Gilmore turning out yet another piece of decent music. All good, all good. Mm-hmm. But it's the controls, isn't it? It's always down to the controls. With this one, I did the same as you. I sort of played it and thought this is a bit empty, um, and then figured out that there was obviously something gone wrong. So I managed to get that working, and then then it presented itself as the crazy challenging game that it is. As these get kind of things always are you know it would be challenging enough without bouncing around so bouncing around made it extra difficult and it has that really annoying thing of when you go to jump onto a platform it doesn't seem to activate the jump quick enough so you always fall off the platform before you jump which is like a a real sort of timing thing i think yeah so frustrating that i mean is there anything more frustrating than that and having to hop back up places and you drop down too far and those sort of things just cause frustration for me i mean it looked all right there was a lot going on and yeah, the audio isn't bad. It's not terrible, this, is it? It's not like crap crap. It has all the parts. And if, like you said, there's a, there's a certain type of, you know, mapper out there that's going to probably be dig the mapping part of this and get into it a little bit more than I did and maybe enjoy collecting the little podules and that. For three quid, though, it won't, it's not a bad game at three quid. It's Again, it's, it's just a bit... It's a bit bland. It's a bit devoid of atmosphere again. Mm. Um, it's got the look and feel of everything, but it just lacks... I don't know, it just feels a bit... When these, you go, you know, collector up games could become very rote. Yeah. If you're just going through, scrolling through lots of different screens that all kind of look the same, just in a different order with different enemies and just collecting little pods. You know, it's a nose of yes odd type approach to it as well, the way you jump between the levels and the screens as well. So, you know, you've got to have a half a memory for the previous screen or map it so that you know that if you need to jump back up to a platform, you know whereabouts you're jumping up to and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So for those that like it, you're going to dig it because it's got a lot of ingredients that you know you enjoy in, in your cake. But for me, it was missing some of the chocolate and the sprinkles, and yeah, <laughs> that's what I need. On, that's what I need on my cake. So um, no, it was all right, but it's nothing special really, apart from the graphics, which are quite nice. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, sixty percent. It's that average score in it. It's, that, yeah, it's about it's, right. It's got two about thirds. Right. It's two thirds there, but just that control system just kind of ruins it a bit. that's it that's our games for this week that's our episode we looked at slayer which was a pretty decent if a little bit short and probably too hard left to right shooter horizontal shooter in style of armor it's budget armor light budget design apps budget io we looked at hopper copper which was stupid in the grand scheme of things stupid and empty stupid and empty yeah. empty yeah, empty streets no, we looked at uh, the pepsi challenge pepsi mix pepsi which yeah. was pepsi pac-man cracked open a can of pepsi to just to celebrate that one <laughs> i did i did i really did captain blood which was, go play the Amiga version, if yeah. you're going to play this at all, because it's weird. Um, Street Gang, which was a crap, um, you know, an overly late Kung Fu Master knockoff. Overlander, which was a sort of, knock, you know, rubbish. Crappy Road Blasters. Road yeah. Blasters. And finally, Sidroid, which had the ingredients, but then introduced a stupid control system. So a bit disappointing there. Yep. Not a great set of games. Slayer was pretty good, but Captain Blood's interesting, but 
not a great set of games yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, this is what it is. It's what it is. Coming up next week, we've got two more weeks left to get through these. December is a really average month. The average there's, there's not much big hitters apart from Bomboozle and Slayer. Um, mm. There's very little high scoring stuff this month. It's a lot of seventies, sixties, and fifties. So next week uh, we have the joys of uh, Pro Skateboard Simulator. Oh dear. Peter Beardsley's International Football Battle Island. Oh dear. Which I've no idea about. Pro Ski Simulator. <laughs> right. Okay. Pro Skateboard. Pro Ski Simulator. Uh, we've also got the conversion, the, the proper version of 1943. Oh, which God. I don't think is going to be very good. We have something called Final Assault, which, again, I don't think is going to be very good. And finally, Bubble Ghost. Okay. <laughs> That's what we've got coming up next week. It is re- this, this truly is we're playing them so you don't have to this month. Yeah, we're dragging it through, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. But um, it is what it is, seven games. That's it. If you wish to support the podcast, that would be cool. You can do that financially if you wish to and you can afford it. That would be cool by going to our Patreon. That's at patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past where you get the episodes early and ad free. You get access to our private Discord server and come along and have a chat with us on there. You get to ask us questions and stuff for the Ask the Podcast uh, episodes we do and included when we do all the, anything like our episode 100 special or any kind of other specials that we might do. We like to include our patrons in them um and see what we do so we'll probably be like the end of year review and uh, you know reviews and sort of uh, awards there all things like that was there anything else i missed there's always something i missed i always think i can't remember what else mm, um and again you, you know mention on the shout out as well each month so that's always cool so that cost you the full price one is a little, little more than the you know it's four pound fifty or your equivalent which is a pint of beer or something like that or you can just come along and just uh, chug us a quid each month and that gets our hearty thanks grand if you can do that yeah, December 1988. It's not a great month, I don't think. You got anything you want to say about it so far? So far, well, I've been very underimpressed with it, I have to say. This is meant yeah. to be the big run-up to Christmas, but you can start you start to see that the Amiga is really starting to land heavily. Yeah. Um, you know, you know that, that that this Christmas the Amiga was selling lots and lots and lots of lots of hardware. You know, so the the I think the first of the sort of Amiga packs, as it were, the 500 is out, isn't it? So mm. um, the death signs were sort of uh, writing was on the wall for the Commodore 64 at this point. No, there's still plenty of life left, and there's plenty of games. Yeah, there but are. in terms of the the terms of the the where the production heart was, we're now starting to see a little bit of that shift where the game comes out in the Amiga first, and then it's deported to the eight bit versions, and yeah. not very well in most cases. That isn't a great transition so far. We've not I've not seen anything, with the exception of Defender of the Crown, I have to say, that's really sort of really given the the sixteen bits a good run for their money. So, but the good thing is out of that is that most of the games that have been crap on sixteen bit have also been crap on the eight bit as well. So. <laughs> It's not. It's not like um, you know. There was. No, they're not like they've made a, a a good game crap. In most instances, most more often than not, they're a really average game made just not as much you know due care and attention. Yeah, true. But we'll see. We're sailing the seas of average yet again. It'd be interesting how is. Uh, we and are. No, no great big games come in to sweep the because every year the so far there's been always been a gig, big game that came in and swept the board, isn't there? For yeah. in December we had a couple of late entries, but this time I don't know if we're going to get them. So oh yeah, I mean Bomboozle's a big one, isn't it? Whether Bomboozle will make our yeah, final final. I don't. Yeah, I was going to say it was, you know it, who knows, but the way the bread bin awards go, but there hasn't been a, a, a standout sort of super game that's come in and gone. You know, hold my beer. We've had a couple of those in the past, haven't we? Yeah, December, so. yeah, but not this year. I don't think it's going to be Peter Beard's no. international football. That's for sure. No, well, I think they you know. Obviously, there was a just up between Emily Hughes and Peter Beards. And <laughs> but he was, he was Gary Lineker's partner mostly for England, you see. So it's a Gary Lineker we've seen games of. So had to get yeah. Peter Beards. He's, he's, he's like, oh, I want a bit of that pie. And then yeah. they've gone, here's your pie. It's rancid and stinks of shit. <laughs> got a fifth of that pie. 
Yeah, he's like, oh, okay. Anyway, there we go. That's episode uh, 107. We'll be back again next week, as ever. Uh, episode 108. We've got, uh, yes, we've got seven more games we talked about then. We've also got the albums. The week. We might even have Mr. Wilson back on as well. Um, you never can tell. You never can tell. We'll see what that crazy dude is up to and see if we can pin him down for more chat about albums and see if he's up for that. So I think that's about it. So as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films, and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.